is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Best of the season to you and happy holidays as we count down to the new year and fire up another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Big game tonight for the Winnipeg Jets as they look to break their three-game losing streak downtown at Canada Life Centre against the visiting Vancouver Canucks. And a big night for Winnipeg Jet forward Sam Gagne, who will play in his 1,000th regular season National Hockey League game and will be celebrated before puck drop tonight. We've got a great lineup of guests tonight, uh, really focused in on a big game for the Winnipeg Jets. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press, our pal Brandon Rewicki from the Skates and Plates podcast. And to get the latest on the Vancouver Canucks, Jeff Patterson, our old pal from uh, the old station now with Rinkwide Vancouver and a contributor to Sick Harris and Price. And of course, today is your last and final opportunity to qualify for tomorrow's championship marble race in the Consolidated Supply and Winnipeg Sports Talk Tournament of Champions. We've had such a fun time running marble races throughout the last few weeks. Qualifying three marbles a day, tomorrow is the big day, and whoever wins that race tomorrow will receive 2023 Bomber Season tickets. Courtesy of your favorite daily sports show in Winnipeg and our friends at Consolidated Supply, so make sure to hang around towards the end of the program and make sure you are in for last call on Marbles qualification. Of course, big thanks to Consolidated Supply for making the Tournament of Champions happen, as well as all the great sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club Whiskey, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and of course, our friends over at Not Auto Corp. Let's get Michael Remus in here to get things going. Remo, what's up? How are you? I'm doing good, Huss. I'm counting down till tonight's game. I think the Jets are going to get back on track. And yeah, it's not too cold out. So I've actually been like able to go outside and uh, do stuff, you know? Yeah, it was nice yesterday. It was like really nice yesterday, all things considered. And I know it's going to get a little chilly tonight uh, if you are going to the game. Um, I know it's going to dip down below minus 20 tonight. I think I just heard that wind chills will feel like it's around minus 28. Uh, and I think tomorrow's high is only going to be about minus 14. But outside of that, over the course of the next, um, you know, sort of 36 hours, we're going to get into a pretty nice, uh, a pretty nice spot of single digit, uh, negative single digits, of course, highs. Saturday's going to be seven, Sunday minus nine. Uh, and then, well, and then we'll get to minus 11. But all in all, seasonal, maybe a little bit above seasonal, and we will take that right now. Um, but honestly, even though I was so cold the last couple of weeks heading into this nice breakup, pretty hard to complain about the weather when you see what's happened uh, around our country and south of the border. I mean, what's happening in Buffalo right now, finding people that have passed away in their vehicles due to that blizzard is um, just horrible. So, uh you know, we're tough here. We'll take it. Um, uh, we're going to find out how tough the Winnipeg Jets are tonight and see if they can um, snap this three-game losing streak uh, that they're in, uh, which sandwiched, of course, the Christmas break. Those two losses on back-to-back -back nights in Boston and Washington heading into Christmas. And then that tough loss to the Minnesota Wild on home ice to get things going again post-Christmas break. And, Remo, we've got the Vancouver Canucks coming into town tonight. 
And the Canucks are just one of the weirdest teams in the entire National Hockey League. And I'm looking forward to having J-Pat on a little later on to give us the latest. Um, but for a team that started literally as badly as a team could start, they've sort of dug themselves out of it. I mean, they put a few three-game winning streaks together, including the one that they're currently on. Um, and they've got themselves above 500 right now into at least striking distance to be in the mix for that wild card race. And I mean, man, there's so many interesting stories around the Canucks too. The future of Bo Horvat, the JT Miller extension that was signed that hasn't kicked in yet. Many of the younger players, coach Bruce Boudreaux. Um, there'll be lots to talk about with Patterson a little bit later on. But to be honest with you, our focus here is even more so on the big milestone of Sam Gagne on a game for the Winnipeg Jets that they really, really do need to uh, snap out of this funk and try and get back in the right direction despite continuing to play with so many key players out of the lineup. Yeah, I've seen a lot of comments, people in our Facebook or YouTube down on the Jets. Someone commented, hey, the Jets, uh, you know, they can't beat any teams with winning records. I was like, well, what are you talking about? They beat Dallas, who's their leading the division right now twice in three tries. Someone else said the Jets magic has run out like New Jersey. I'm like, have you seen their roster right now? They're missing <laughs> like a full line. Perfetti, Ehlers, and um, and Wheeler. Not to mention they've got like, you know, five guys who are either picked off waivers or spent time on the moose. Um, look, this roster isn't what it's been. But however, you look at Money Puck, and I do every day, Hus, Money Puck, chances of winning. They have the Jets. 64.6% chance today with Connor Hellebuck in goal. You look at the lines, there's still a big favorite, according to Vegas, um, depending on what book, maybe around I one. was a little surprised. I mean, I looked at Kubet earlier this yeah. morning, and the Jets were minus 147 favorites, and the Canucks were plus 125. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're just so into it here, and maybe we've spent, you know, now that the you know we've had a few losses to talk about, discussing what the issues for the Winnipeg Jets have been and some things that there, frankly, just is no solution for until players come back i sort of thought that that might be a lot closer i thought the jets might be a slight favorite may have might maybe minus 120 to even money um that being said you know the jets have won a lot of hockey games this year and it's not like this is the first time they've done it with a depleted lineup i mean really this started in game number three of the regular season when nikolai ehlers uh was out at the time categorized as day-to-day -day. um we're now waiting for his return at some point into the new year. Um, but, I mean, listen, we can talk about it. Rick Bonus has said, listen, there's no excuses. We can talk about it all you want. Uh, and I've said this in the past. A lot of times when you focus so much on all the tough things that are in front of you, it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that is not what this head coach is all about or this team is all about. And um, they're going to need to get it together and put their best foot forward with the guys that are in the lineup tonight to try to get a big two points snap the streak and uh, get a bit of momentum heading into Edmonton on um, Saturday night to finish up uh, 2022. Yeah. I think if they're going to get a win, this is a good opponent, you know, to play against. We're going to hear from Jeff later on the show, but Vancouver, you don't know what you're going to get every night. Um, you know, they don't, I don't think their defense is very good. They have certainly have some guys who can score goals. Uh, Pedersen capable of picking up five, but he's, he's on the third line. I always get confused by their, you know, they got the more balanced line distribution in Vancouver and, Speaking of balance, the Jets moving away, at least yesterday in the line combos, they had a number of guys missing today, the skate. Um, not skating was Dubois, Shifley, Connor, Lowry, Gagne, Stanland, Morrissey, Pionk, DeMello, and Mike had 
Rick Bonus also as a non-skater <laughs> in in practice. So, I mean, I think they're just taking rest. We also saw Dubois on the post game mm -hmm. with Sarah. He was coughing. He is a he had a bad voice. There's there that cold is still everyone's sick right going now. around. Yeah, every everyone's got it. So they did go with the more balanced lines um, yesterday, and this is what we're going to assume today's lines are. Shout out to Ken who tweeted these out. Connor Dubois, Gagne, Shifley, or sorry, Lowry, Shifley, Coolman, Baron Stenland, uh, Janssen, Fialbi, Isimont, Gustafson, Harkins, and then Morrissey, Demello, Sandberg, Pionk, and Dylan, and Hainala is the one who's getting in today uh, for Kyle Capobianco. Capobianco staying on the ice after practice with Christian Reichel, who was called up today. So the, that's uh, the latest on the, on the Jets, Hellbuck and Net. Um, we, they did have some guys skating, Ehlers and Manalainen, I think you mentioned that, skated in the morning skate, or it was Schmidt and Perfetti, who also skated with Marty Johnson. And we do have Rick Bonus going through the laundry list. Hmm. Sounds like my shopping list here of all the injuries. Took like... Usually it's like one update. It took him like a minute to get through. <laughs> it's all a long them. clip. It's a long yes. clip. And we'll get to it in uh, in just a minute. As far as the Canucks go, you look at their lines. And Bull Horvat right now, I believe he's second in goals in the National Hockey League right now. I mean, only Connor McDavid has more. And Bo Horvat, contract year Bo. <laughs> what? 26, 26 goals in 34 games. 39 points on the season. Um, he is having an unbelievable season at a perfect time to do that going into unrestricted free agency. He's playing with Ilya Mikheyev, who is an off-season pickup, and Brock Besser. You've got JT Miller centering Connor Garland and Curtis Lazar. And then, as you mentioned, Elias Peterson with Kuzmenko and Lane Peterson on the third line and a fourth line of Niels Amon, Jack Studnicka, and Dakota Joshua. What's interesting about Vancouver is... and. You know, you could make some comparisons to the Winnipeg Jets in that, you know, they've got some missing pieces and some moving pieces on the wings, but they're pretty set at center right now as they are set up. I mean, we talked about Bo Horvat and the season he's having. Elias Pettersson is having a great year and somewhat of a bounce back year as well for Elias, uh, who's leading the team in scoring with 16 goals and 42 points. Um, you'd have to think that he probably gets a little bit more playing time than a quote-unquote typical third liner um, and certainly a big part of that power play. And of course, JT Miller, who is just four points off a point of game uh, pace in the middle as well with Garland and Lazar and Pedersen Kuzmenko and Kuzmenko has been a real nice story as well for the, uh, for the Canucks. He's third in scoring right now. So they do have a pretty nice balanced lineup and I'm not sure, and we'll hear from Rick Bonus in a minute, if that was maybe part of the theory or the thought behind not just stacking up that top line as they had with Mark Scheifele moving up with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, because the Winnipeg Jets are going to have to be able to defend and they're going to have to be on their toes when it comes to their own end, their forecheck, and do some of those details, as Rick Bonus mentioned, a heck of a lot better than they did against the Minnesota Wild on Tuesday night. If they want to get a win against a Vancouver team that... As bad as they looked against the Jets, what was it, about two, two and a half weeks ago on that Saturday night game when the Jets, frankly, embarrassed them 5-1. Um, they bounced back with a huge comeback win against the Seattle Kraken. They beat the Oilers 5-2 in Edmonton. And then they came out of the break by putting up a half a dozen against San Jose. So goals and goal scoring has normally not been an issue for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, but they'll go up against Connor Hellebuck, who... 
certainly will look to um, have a much better start to the game than he did on, on Tuesday against Minnesota coming out of the break. Yeah, I'm curious, uh, you know, what, they're, what we're going to get from the Lions here tonight. Big opportunity for Sam Gagne in game 1000, playing with Dubois and Connor and Mark Shifley. I mean, he hasn't exactly played with, you know, big scores the last couple, couple of games, and that's why I didn't mind uh, trying to load up line one against a tough opponent. Now you got in a situation where um, you're favored here against Vancouver, who's, you know, who you beat up pretty good a couple of weeks ago. So we'll see how it goes. I, I'm sure they'll mix mix up the lines as the things go, as the game goes. Because I, I didn't know yesterday, the Stenlin, Janssen, Fialbi, Kuhlman line was very strong together. And Morgan Barron has also seen some time up there. So uh, something to be wa- to watch as the game goes on. And we're always on Villy Watch here. And I'm sure he'll get some time on Power Play 2 mm. at some point. If Power Play 2 even gets on the ice with all the injuries. Yeah, well, first of all, maybe the Jets could get a call or two. That would be nice um, to actually get on the power play, considering some of the things that have happened that haven't been called as of late. Hey, just a quick uh, aside. Um, We're seeing it's being reported right now that the king of Brazilian soccer, Pele, who won a record three World Cups and uh, really became one of the mm, biggest sports stars and personalities in the world, has passed away at 82. And Remo, I know when I was in Qatar at the World Cup, there was plenty of coverage of Pele and his his health, where he was at. People were hoping that he might be able to see a Brazilian win. Obviously, that didn't happen, and the Argentinians won with Leo Messi winning it all. But um, even if you're not a soccer person at all, um, everybody knows Pele, and uh, what a big loss for soccer in the sporting world today. Yeah, 82 years old, big, uh, huge legend in soccer, and I agree. Even if you didn't know soccer, you knew LA, one of the you know one of the guys known by the one name, and I just remember growing up every you know you'd always see greatest athletes would be like Gretzky, Jordan, and then soccer uh, would be Pele. So uh, tremendous loss there uh, for Brazil. Yeah, I just thought we'd mention that. I mean, just before we dive back into the Winnipeg Jets, um, Canada man, Canada got it together, and uh, I know it was shocking that they lost to the Czechs in the fashion that they did on Boxing Day. Um, And as we mentioned yesterday, maybe an early wake-up call for the Canadian team, which had so much hype and was such a big favorite going in. And that hasn't been the case in recent World Juniors. Um, To lose the way that they did in game number one maybe is a good thing. Now, the weird thing is their next two games are against Germany, who they smoked yesterday. I believe it was 11-2. And my God, Connor Bedard, I mean, is doing things that, uh, I mean, real, well, close to no one has ever done before. What, seven points last night? I mean, he is, uh, he's incredible. But now they go up against the Austrians tonight, who will be equally over um, overmatched by Canada. The big game for the Canadians coming up is going to be against the Swedes on New Year's Eve. And uh, I know no USA-Canada game. They're not in the same pool. Hopefully we'll get a Canada-USA game a little bit later on in the tournament. But uh, an absolutely resounding performance by Canada yesterday. And uh, not surprisingly, Remo, even in a game that they totally dominated, um, none of the young stars on the team tried the Michigan after what happened in game number one. Yeah, that's the type of Canada game you want to see, Hustler. 11-2 over some country that's not even close in the same, you know, league of hockey like Germany. 
Uh, good to get the confidence going. But uh, did they beat them too badly, Hustler, that you get some bad habits in there? I remember that's always always a question. But nice to see Canada uh, you know, back in the win column uh, against Germany. Surprising to you know look at the standings, Hustler. It's you know we had a Czech Republic or Czechia beating Canada. How about Slovakia over USA, six uh, three? Uh, USA usually a powerhouse at these World Juniors. So uh, I think having upsets like these is good for the tournament and makes it more exciting. I'm not a huge, not a huge fan of you know seeing Canada beat up on you know Latvia or Germany, whoever it is, eleven. You know where you got the spread like seven goals. In a hockey game, that but, I mean, that's literally what I mean. I'll. What was the spread check. yesterday? It was seven and a half, I believe, six and a half or seven oh and God. a half. A touchdown. Well, you thought that was bad. Today, yeah, it's ten and a half. Like that's. I mean, it's hard for me <laughs> to get excited about. Here's the thing, though. That. Here's the thing. I think the Austrians wouldn't even be in the tournament. If the yeah, Russians were Russia, so they had to round it out. And listen, it's a great opportunity or thrill, I'm sure, for the Austrians to be a part of a great event that's well attended and and all of that. But um, but yeah, um, if the only if the only drama in the game is whether a team can cover a ten and a half goal yeah. spread, <laughs> <laughs> and this is why, honestly, and I go, I know this is somewhat unpatriotic of me, um. But I don't really get too into the World Juniors until we get to the playoff round and you've got the games that yes. really mean something. So uh, I, that being I, I said, I have been watching it. Why? So I could watch and listen to our pal Dennis Bayak do his thing. It's been so good to hear Dennis back. And and some of those games in the other pool, frankly, I think are a little bit more interesting, especially as you just mentioned, um, that, uh, that Slovakia-USA result. Just before we get back to the Jets, Bedard last night, a hat trick and four assists. So he tied the Canadian record for points in a game with seven. Dylan Gunther, who's come from the National Hockey, he's almost an afterthought with this team somehow. He had a hat trick. Um, but what's crazy about Connor Bedard right now is he's just two goals back for Jordan Eberle's Canadian record for most goals at a World Juniors right now. And um, I don't know. I think the more and more we see this young guy, we realized that, and I saw, I believe it was Scott Wheeler saying that this, this is going to rival, this year's draft going to rival the greatest draft that many of the guys covering drafts have ever seen. Um, which is another reason why for people that are so gung-ho about emptying the cupboards and doing whatever the Winnipeg Jets can to get help right now, um, I think it's important to realize what is at stake when it comes to potentially moving that first-round pick this year, regardless of where you finish because it's stacked, it's deep, um, and I think even playoff teams could be picking real game changers by the time we get to the second half if uh, if the scouts and the people paying attention to it are uh, are all right. So listen, um, we'll maybe have a little bit more on that when Rowicki joins us. Mike McIntyre is going to tee it up coming up right away, but um, let's get to Rick Bonus. Uh, we'll hear from Sam Gagne a little bit later on. Uh, the man of the hour, the big question, will we play Mr. Brightside tonight? Hopefully, that would be nice. Uh, but as Remo mentioned, right off the bat, everybody wants to know about the latest on the Winnipeg Jets' ever-growing infirmary. And uh, here's a bit of an injury rundown, starting with the latest on defenseman Nate Schmidt. This is the first time Nate has skated. Uh, Ehlers and Saku have been skating. Um, so, yeah. That's uh, first time, Nate. I think, I think Nate is the closest at this point. 
But other than that, uh, there's uh, and and Cole probably he skated with the guy the group, so maybe Cole and Nate would be the closest. The other two are still quite a ways away. And sorry, closer than Saku? Yes. Oh, okay. Wasn't Saku like closer to? Yeah, a week? we thought so. So it's just something's coming. It's taking a little longer. Okay. Um, and since we're on the subject of updates, and there's so many guys, uh, is Mason getting close to being able to he'll skate? He'll have uh, uh, another, he'll, I think he's got a doctor's appointment on the 4th of January. That's what it is, and then we'll go from there. Okay. But he hasn't skated, he hasn't done a whole lot, so right. he'd be a while yet. I think we've covered we'll, everything. We'll, Logan and Blake would be the other two. Logan's still a couple of weeks away from skating, for sure. Uh, wheels, maybe a, a, maybe a couple of days or a week to skate again. All right. So, um, listen, it's not – nobody's coming back to save the day anytime soon. So uh, that lineup that will be going out against the Vancouver Canucks tonight presumably will be the lineup on the weekend. I will say this, and I mentioned it yesterday. It was interesting that Christian Reichel was the call-up. Um you know, I'd sort of speculated yesterday with how red hot Jeff Mawad had been, he might have been a nice uh, addition and maybe get the Carson Kuhlman treatment where you come from outside of the dressing room and get plopped in, you know, one of those top couple lines considering the needs right now. But it is going to be Sam Gagne in game number 1000 skating with Dubois and Connor. Pretty great opportunity for the veteran. And Kuhlman will continue to play with Mark Shifley. But what's interesting is that Adam Lowry has moved up onto that left wing. And I can't remember the last time Adam Lowry was not at center for the Winnipeg Jets, but it looks like that's the way it'll go. Although I wouldn't at all be surprised if Lowry maybe takes a few more draws. We know how keen Rick Bonus is on getting possession of the puck and how much of a thorn in his side the Jets' lack of success overall in the in the faceoff circle has been so far this year. So we'll see how that goes. Let's get a little bit more from Bones, though, because with those lineup changes and the new lines, um, Bones was asked to uh, just talk about what he and the team worked on to get ready for this game tonight, yesterday on the ice. Well, it's just the little details of the game that have slipped because our last practice was December 3rd. Now, you can only cover so many things in your morning skate, but yeah, just simple little things like, like as the season goes on and the games get tighter and tighter, games are going to be won and lost by on face-off execution. So yesterday, we haven't been happy with the way we've been we've been winning face-offs and we're not breaking out clean. We worked on that. Uh, in the neutral zone, we're not playing as got a lot of guys moving around we're not playing as fast as we'd like to with the puck so we worked on that uh there's more and more teams stretching taking pucks back and trying to stretch out the defense a little bit we haven't had a chance to practice that at all so we walked through it yesterday it's not a scenario we want to see at all because we want to be on top of them and not have them the time to take that puck back all deep in their zone to try to spread us out uh, but if they do, then we want to defend it a little better than we have been. All right, there is Rick Bonus on uh, what the team worked on yesterday. And uh, as I said, Brandon's Ricky's going to come up. Uh, but this is a topic that I think many people in the chat have been noticing. Um, you know, you don't get points for a few games, and all of a sudden things get a, a lot tighter in the division and certainly in the neighborhood where the Jets and the Dallas Stars have been uh, have been hanging out. And Here's Rick Bonus on uh, the losing streak and what that's done to the Jets' position in the Central and in the standings. 
Everyone understands where we are. The players understand all of that. It's now, you know, you lose three in a row. It's more, regardless who you play, it's more getting back on that winning track for us and getting the two points. And, and yeah, you're, you're, we're well aware of what's going on. The standings are in the locker room. Uh, the players have taken great pride, I think, in, in being in that top two positions all year. And they have, and, they, and they've worked very hard. Um, so we want to we want to maintain that, and uh, but so it, it is. It's Vancouver, and like we get understand that the opposition, that the timing of it, and all of that, like Minnesota the other night. But regardless, after you've lost three in a row, we want to get back on that win column. All right, there is Bones. We'll talk more about it with Rewicki as well as Mike McIntyre coming up on the program, as well as get the latest on the visiting Vancouver Canucks a little later on from Jeff Patterson or Rinkwide Vancouver when he joins us. Before we bring on Brandon Rewicki, don't forget, 2.45 today, one more chance to qualify for the Tournament of Champions, your chance to win Bomber season tickets for 2023 tomorrow in the championship race, courtesy of Consolidated Supply. Consolidated Supply closed for the week, but they'll reopen on January 3rd. In the meantime, looking ahead to 2023, now's a great time to head on over to cte.ca and start thinking about that project, a hot tub, an outdoor kitchen, a golf cart, small engine repair, all the things that Consolidated Supply can do for you and your business right now. Of course, they are open to the public on January 3rd, 1395 Niagara Road East and online 24-7 at cte.ca. Uh, our friends at Wallace and Wallace thank everyone for um, their submissions for the unsung hero for December. We still do have time to get a few more in. And uh, certainly if you're involved in some sort of a charity, um, a uh, an organization that works in and around the month of December trying to brighten the holidays, and there's been some people that have been making a real impact donating their time and efforts to it. We'd love to hear from you as well about that. Send us a simple email to unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com and let us know about that person in your life, in your community, whether it's associated with the charity that's gone the extra mile to uh, help out at this time of the holidays of such great celebration and togetherness for most, but the most difficult time of the year for many others. Again, the email unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Uh, we've got... Peter and Paulette, who, of course, were our first big winners. And I know they did send that. We'll have those that autographed Josh Morrissey jersey out to you um, and next week, I'd imagine, early early in the new year. Um, and we'll also be selecting our December Unsung Hero as well, early in the new year as well. So get those emails in. And um, we'll ha also have a $500 donation to the Dream Factory from Wallace & Wallace on behalf of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener that made the donation and even cooler Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to be matching that as well. So another thousand dollars for the Dream Factory and another worthy unsung hero being celebrated on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, and hey, with Vita Health Fresh Market, they are ready for the new year. I know many of you are already getting ready for your New Year's resolutions and maybe trying to improve a few things health-wise. It's never too late to get on a, a bit more of a healthy routine and Vita Health Fresh Market's a perfect place to start. Great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too. And when you shop at Vita Health, you're supporting a great local company, family owned and operated since 1936. And hey, if you're doing a little partying on New Year's Eve, why not 
why not get into 2023 with some healthier snack options, drink mixes, non-alcoholic beverages, and more. It's all waiting for you down at one of seven Vita Health stores. Uh, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And hey, just before we bring Brandon in, um, I have to give a big shout out to Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery. I had a couple great comments on the service from their uh, from their staff, from uh, listeners over the course of the last few days. Um, and this goes back, of course, Donnie and the gang have been with us for a while. Paul Edmonds' favorite store during the summer when he's getting ready for his boat and you know out fishing. Right now, though, it's all about your car and making sure you're getting from point A to point B. And that sucker's starting when you need it. We're gonna have another cold one tonight. Are you ready for it? Well, if not, give them a call. Ten twenty six Logan Avenue, online ManitobaBattery.com. And uh, the best part about it is that you're gonna save time and money dealing with a great local company. They will deliver it to you citywide as long as you let them know of your order by 3 p.m. So if you get your order in by the end of Winnipeg Sports Talk Live, you'll have your battery later on today. Uh, don't get stuck in the cold. Manitoba Batteries got you covered. 1026 Logan Avenue. Pop in for a free battery check as well or order online at manitobabattery.com. All right, let's get Ruwiki in here. How was, the, uh, how was your Christmas? I, I just imagined you spending 14 hours building like a little dollhouse or something for your little girl. Did you, uh, are you getting the new dad Christmas? Uh, are you happy that Christmas is done just because of all the work that goes into it for a new dad? Yeah. I, I need a holiday from, from the holiday. It's, I mean, Remo would know too. He's, he's probably got it worse than I do. So I'm, I'm not going to complain too much, but yeah, a lot, a lot of puzzle building found out that, uh, you know, me and the little one who, who just turned two were kind of at the same developmental stage when it comes to puzzles so it's a it's a legitimate <laughs> battle when we when we go toe to toe there uh, but it's been good man it, it, it's been good um a lot, a lot better than it is for the hockey club right now but um Ooh. yeah I, other, other than that it's been pretty solid and i'm off to the cabin and a little bit too so it'll be a nice weekend before uh diet starts monday or tuesday well we'll figure that out later but yeah yeah i think we got to go tuesday on that one we'll uh but <laughs> um we'll all we'll all be lining up for that myself included um well you mentioned the hockey team let's get to it um it was almost inevitable that this was going to happen i mean especially considering the quality of teams that they had been playing i mean the schedule which was i mean even we talk about the packed nhl schedule i still don't think i can ever remember three weeks like the Winnipeg Jets had heading into Christmas with four games in each week, five in seven in the last. But um, again, Rick Bonus says there's no excuses. I mean, you have to be ready to go. And it wasn't like I thought they played terribly in Boston or Washington um, or even Minnesota, to be honest. But Brandon, when you are playing at the deficit of personnel, the way the Winnipeg Jets are right now, you need a few things to go your way. And I don't know, in my opinion, and well, interested in your take on this, it was a few things that didn't go the Winnipeg Jets way that really broke the game against the Minnesota Wild. I mean, let's face it. Connor Hellebuck um, doesn't normally let those first two shots in. And when you spot a team like Minnesota, a two-goal lead, you really put yourself in a tough spot. And then were it not for, I mean, Adam Lowry and a, you know, a couple degrees off on the angle after he beat Gustafson, if that goes in, you're talking about a one nothing lead. Very different story. Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley both had some glorious opportunities that didn't go in. 
But then it was the Minnesota Wild doing what they love to do, and that is play with the lead and frustrate the hell out of their opposition. And um, here we are in the first three-game losing streak of the year awaiting the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, now what's your analysis of uh, this three-game losing streak and how worried should people in the jet room and uh, around be? Yeah, well, I mean, my my analysis is take a look at the lineup sheet and what, what did you think was going to happen? Like that, that looked the forward group especially looked like a preseason game lineup. Like that's what we saw in October, you know, on a Tuesday night against Columbus. So you know what I mean? Like it's they they were in tough based on the amount of guys out of the lineup, and they I I, I don't know I, I I'm not really expected a whole lot other than that right now. I mean the the Jets certainly need Hellebuck to be Vesna form at the moment to to try and steal some points, and if he's just okay to good it's it's probably not going to be good enough so i to be honest man i i don't put any blame on the players for for this bump in the road i don't put much blame on the coaching staff we, we talked about this you know months before the season started about how reinforcements needed to be brought in up front and that was with a healthy team <laughs> never mind what is it six guys up front out of the I, I, I've, I've lost track at this point you know, there. I I think there's legitimate reason to be concerned right now, and I mean, in a good sense, it's not because you don't have the guys up front and the coaching staff isn't doing their. I, I don't think it's anything like that. It's just they're decimated and and they and they need help. And even when they're healthy, they need help up front. And it, it's up to management here. This is something I thought that should have been done, you know, months ago during the season. Um, even when they had that first mini rash of injuries with with Ehlers going out and then Appleton shortly thereafter, it was like, why don't you go ahead and be aggressive here, get ahead of it while the team is playing good, and nobody has to try to to hold a desperate management group out to water and you know grab a couple of extra assets in the in in the process. And now we're at where we are, where you know you touched on it, like standings tightened up really really quickly here, and. Look, I, I don't know. Do you want to try and wait wait this out two, three weeks and then three losses turn into six or seven and some of the teams below the Jets pick up a few wins in a row? It, it's, it, it is a pretty... Well, here's the question. Here's, here's the question. And I mean, it's a very valid point that you're making. And I mean, I think there's points to be made on both sides of it. But with the way the Winnipeg Jets were playing before and the results they were getting with the production from those players that were in the lineup, do you make trades or make moves right now essentially to fill holes for two or three weeks, knowing that Nikolai Ehlers is coming back and Blake Wheeler and all those guys you assume are going to be back. And then, and then where are you at? And obviously there's a cost to doing business too. I mean, it's not like these guys are just sitting there. You don't have to give anything up. I mean, I was mentioning right at the top, you know, reading some of the scouts reports of this world junior and projecting it to this year's draft I mean, the easiest thing the Winnipeg Jets could do right now is, oh, trade your first-round pick and get yeah. some help in there. Is that smart for a team in their position right now, especially considering what is to come with the contracts coming up for many key players in the next two seasons right now? I mean, I, me personally, I hope the Jets don't trade that pick at, at any point. I mean, unless we go in and they're a clear number one team uh, you know, in the Central Division and it is this time right now. It's not an easy spot, but I think to the credit of the players and the coaching staff, we're having this conversation now. We could have easily been having this, and we've been talking about things about it a month ago. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is that when even close to healthy, or even when not healthy, the guys that have been getting the opportunity from the organization 
I've been doing a pretty good job. But then you get to this point. You're picking up guys off waivers and throwing them in the top six. I mean, we've got Christian Reichel that's come up right now. I mean, you could make an argument that based on players that have been on waivers, and I think Marat made this point today, you got five or six of the guys that will be starting tonight that are replacement level, if you will, because they could have been replaced or, in Kuhlman's case, was a guy that got off of it. So, so I mean, it's a real difficult situation, a catch-22, but I think at some point there is a worry of maybe overreacting, spending too much to plug a hole right now, knowing that if you can just survive this next little while, you're going to be getting some big-time players that can come back and make a big difference in the lineup. Yeah, I, look, I we're kind of at the point now where I, I get where you're coming from, where it's like, look, we waited this long. Why don't we just wait another week or two and, and, and away we go here? But the other thing to that is, I mean, there's no guarantee – these guys come back. And, oh, yeah, we're 100% healthy, ready to go. No more injuries the rest of the year, right? Like, th- oh, there, yeah. there's, that's there's not that. happening. Well, hey, look, man, I, I follow a couple teams, and, and one of them wears orange and black. And I know day to day turns into, oh, their career is now over pretty quickly. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical when it comes to players returning from injury and then, and then able to perform at a high level right after that. So I don't know. I, I, I'm still of the mindset that this team, again, even when healthy, needs some reinforcements to compete with some of the some of the the powerhouses in the in the Western Conference here. And I, I don't think you have to give up the house to get somebody. Like I, I'm with you. I don't I don't know if there's somebody out there that I'd give up a first round pick for. Um, that 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 to me is a discussion for the trade deadline. Giving up a major. Let me ask like you that. that. So, I mean, so put the GM hat on for a minute. If there are players that I mean, you would love them to act now on. What would be on the table? I mean, what are reasonable assets that, you know, the Jets could part with right now to make their current situation better without not, you know, really putting them at a deficit later on or at a time where they need some young players? Yeah, I, I think a mid-round pick or one of your defensive prospects. I think that's I think that's fair. Um, and I think that, look, it's not going to get you a, a top-line guy or anything like that, but a middle six forward is so desperately needed right now. Yeah. And I think one of those assets would be able to get it done there. So, and, and, and that that's kind of walking that fine line of, you know, let's not push all our chips in right now and go crazy because we're desperate for some bodies here, but it also is a little bit of, you know what, the, the guys need help. <laughs> like they just, they, they need somebody to come in that can be a legitimate contributor because again, I don't blame the players for, for some of the struggles right now, but I mean, you, you picked up Carson Kuhlman off waivers and, 24 hours later, he's playing on the top line with Mark Shifley. Like there's, there, there's got to be, there, there's a number of teams that are so far down in the basement that they're not even contemplating, you know, having, you know, valuable contributors in the lineup this year. I'm sure the Jets could, could raid a, a handful of those teams and say, look, we need a bit of help right now. I don't know, a third round pick, maybe a, 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 take your pick of, you know, three of our, B, C-level defensive prospects, and is there something that we can work out here? I, I think that's the best way to go right now. And then if you want to go maybe a little more big game hunting towards the deadline, then you could do something towards that. I, I just think at this point, the waiting invites a lot of danger and a lot of risk because, look, even when the Jets are fully healthy, eventually, whenever that does happen, you know, it, 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 it could be tough because it seems like Minnesota's rounded into form. Nashville's starting to play a little bit better. And to see, you know, the Edmonton McDavid's with 40 points, just a couple points back in the last team below the playoff, like that terrifies me. To have that team potentially being the one that you have to to hold down, that that's a scary proposition. So I, I again, I'd look to be a little bit proactive here and let's bring somebody in to help the boys out now. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I'm certainly with you that, I mean, you're not holding against the guys that are in the lineup right now. I mean, there's been no shortage of effort. In fact, I mean, the efforts that they gave in, I mean, even in the third period against Washington, I was blown away at the fight that they showed. And I mean, listen, you're not going to win all these games and there'll be some games that, you know, you lose that you deserve to win. I'm not saying that that was that situation there. Um, but I mean, the way they played at the end of that stretch in Boston and Washington, starting the week four games earlier against Vancouver Canucks, um, you know, they're certainly leaving it all out there right now. And the one positive is that this schedule is going to lighten up a little bit as we get into January. And, and that's why a game like tonight, Brandon is so important. I mean, a four game losing streak going into Edmonton on new year's Eve, you know, that's that's that, that's the sort of period that the Jets have avoided so far, and that's why they've had the lofty spot in the division right now. Um, this is also a team that they embarrassed at home less than two weeks ago or right around two weeks ago. And, you know, I already saw they have mentioned that, you know, they remember that game, and they've played quite well, and they've been scoring a lot of yeah. goals lately. Um, you know, to me... This is the this is a Connor Hellebuck game right now, and you sort of mentioned it. I mean, I didn't like the two goals that went in early on. I did thought that he, you know, steal himself and played very well the rest of the way. Certainly, nothing he could do on that tap in um, on the two on one from uh, Zuccarello to Gaudreau. Um, but listen, we talk about your best players stepping up and being your best players. I have no doubt saying that Connor Hellebuck is the best player on this hockey club, and. Man, a big, big performance from 37 tonight in front of the home fans is exactly what this team needs. Because the Vancouver Canucks, for all of their flaws, the one thing they can do is score goals. And they've been doing a lot of it lately. Yeah, and I mean, we'll, we'll see, too, with the lineup change. I, I do like having Dubois and Shifley on separate lot just because, I mean, trying to to jam-pack all your offense onto one line, it's, it's just, it's a... A full risk right like if they if they pop off you're okay if they don't you're you're probably not scoring two goals on the night so i i do like that move right off the bat too and it allows you to better deal with a connects team like they're surprisingly good up front like they've, it's just it's a bizarre team i guess that's what happens when you have a borderline ahl blue line and and quinn hughes out there right like they they need a little bit of support but yeah i mean the connects are Three straight dubs for them. It's it, this. This does feel like a heli game, and it's unfair to ask because he's carried this team for half a decade already at this point. But that that that's really all they have in their bag right now. Like there, there there's that, and I think realistically, the power play that that kind of lies their best chance at at winning games until they get a little bit closer back to full health. You could have you know Josh Morris. He continue his magic from the back end there, but. If 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 we don't see Hellebuck with a nine thirty by, by the end of this one, it's it's probably going to be a struggle for this team to score three goals in this game, right? Like it's it's just going to be difficult with the group that they have out there in the bottom six to expect this club. I think at least realistically to pot in you know a handful of goals here in this one. So it it, it might have to be that cagey affair where you try and you try and grind and muck away a two one victory. And then whatever happens in Edmonton happens, right? You feel a little bit better there. It's just, I'm with you, right? Like, that's the scary part is dropping this one, four straight, no help is coming, and then the McDavid's, you know, come to town on, on New Year's Eve there, and then things can start to get a little bit dicey. So, yeah, well, Hellebuck is going to be leaning on very, very heavily over the next bit, specifically tonight, though. Well, and, you know, you have that one game rodeo to Edmonton, and then you come back, and... I mean, like the the amount of games and how many days is better, but 
the Calgary Flames have been playing well. I mean, they lost to Edmonton the other day. They outshot them 47-22. They did a similar number last night on the Kraken. Uh, and then you've got the Tampa Bay Lightning and those same Edmonton Oilers coming to town. So, um, you know, you'd love to get a few reinforcements right now, but, you know, really fairly or unfairly, this is going to be on the shoulders of the Jets' top dogs. Um, you know, listen, we've talked all about injuries. I was thinking about this morning. Can you imagine if one of Dubois, Shifley, Connor, or Hellebuck were out at some point. I mean, then we're probably having a completely different uh, different conversation because all four of those players have played so well and for the most part so consistently for the over the uh, over the course of this season. Um, all that being said, Brandon, uh, I've loved Kevin Stenland and what he's done so far, and I think he's been an impact player right now. Uh, I'd love to see more from Gustafson and his line. That's something that really hasn't happened, and... You know, I know we're kind of putting this on the goaltender and seeing if the guys in the top six can do it. But man, like if there ever was a time to get a little bit of contributions from that bottom six, which has been much better this year, I think we can all agree. But again, once you lose five guys from your starting forward group, that bottom six essentially becomes your top players at the American yeah. Hockey League level. It's a much bigger ask. Yeah, it's it's brutal. <laughs> like right like i mean how many of us how many jets fans had watched kevin stenland play before two weeks ago you know what i mean like i mean i, I half of us unless you were paying attention to training camp or watching the moose yeah that's that's the only thing there right like half the half of us thought it was gustafson looking good in his first game back I was like whoa stenland who the hell's this guy but now he's being asked to essentially be a third line player for the team so i i i just i hesitate to say they need more out of guys like that because they are who they are, right? Like it's you can hope for maybe a like an all-time performance from one of them in in one game, but to expect consistent contributions over the course of even you know five or six games, it, it's just not fair to those guys. And 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 so that that's that, that's the danger of the situation the Jets find themselves in. And I, I think it's more so to me, you're 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 you need to put somewhat unrealistic burdens on. Dubois, Connor, and Shifley at this point and say, look, we, we need you. We we need you to play at a two-point-per-game pace over the next little while. Because other than that, I don't I don't know realistically what you could hope for in terms of getting offense. Maybe hope for a little bit of a punch from the back end um, from, from anybody not named Josh Josh Norrissey. That's that's probably your only other some, somewhat hopeful option there. But I, I would lean towards... You know what, Shifley, Dubois, Connor. Hope you guys like playing twenty-five minutes a night because that's pretty much all we can do oh, at this point. It, it, it's funny you say twenty-five minutes a night, and I know we're sort of tongue-in-cheeking it. And I mean, I said the same thing. Oh, these guys are going to play twenty. They played twenty-two, and I can guarantee you, come the third period of this hockey game, if the Jets are down one or it's tight, you're going to see a ton of those players. The best possible thing that could happen for the Winnipeg Jets would be the opposite of what happened against Minnesota to come out to a good start, to be able to play with a lead and to yeah. not be chasing the game because roll four I mean, lines. Exactly. Let everyone feel a part of it um, and not just lean on, okay, are you guys good to get out there again? Throw them out there because, um, you know, for obvious reasons, I mean, you can only, you can only squeeze so much out of those players that have given so much so far this season. What are you, um, how intrigued you with Adam Lowry moving to the wing to play with Mark Shifley? It's, uh, 
I mean, it's interesting, and I know what Lowry does well. I mean, he wins battles. He can get the puck and hopefully give Shifley a little bit more opportunity to have the puck in the offensive zone. I mean, now, what were your thoughts when you saw that move from uh, from Bones? I was surprised. <laughs> that, that, that wouldn't have been my choice. I don't think it's a bad choice. He's been a mainstay at center for so yeah, long. Yeah, and he's been so damn good too, right? Like, he, he's been... There's been so many, you know, key contributors to the team this year, but he's gone completely under the radar as being a force as this team's third line center. So, like, I mean, I, I, I get, I get it, right? You need to try to put as much talent as you have on your top two lines right now. I mean, I, I think I might have bumped Shifley over to the wing and put Lowry down the middle. I, I think Shifley's game would would translate better to the wall than it would for Adam Lowry, and it, and it wouldn't be well, who takes more faceoffs. Would... Who takes more faceoffs when they're on the ice together? Yeah, that, that'll that, be that'll be interesting. I, I I would put my money on seventeen, considering what we've seen from Bone so far this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, ho- hockey's a lot different than it was 10, 20 years ago, too, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's a lot more interchangeable in terms of of, of positions uh, when you're out there on the ice. Um, and we've seen the Jets, you know, how well they play systematically that they're okay with, you know, what if one of them comes into the zone early, they're the centerman for that shift. The other guys pops off to the wing there. Um, so, I mean, look, I, yeah, I would probably have Lowry down the middle and Shifley out there on the wing, but, but I, I can understand, you know, just, just try, try to piece together somewhat of a competent top six here and, and hope those guys can get it done. But again, I, I think part of that goes back to Adam Lowry's time with, with team Canada at the world championships the previous year where he got an opportunity. I think he played a little bit on the wing there for, for Team Canada as well, and and he flourished. And I think that's continued over into this season, and we're just seeing a really, really confident, productive player for the team. And I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if he, if he comes out there on the wing and, and gives this team a bit of a boost that they need right now. Will we hear Mr. Brightside tonight in Game yeah. 1000? 1000 for Sam Gagne. I heard I heard it on Tuesday at Agit Karaoke. We're hearing it Thursday night as well at Canada. Yeah, hell yeah, we're hearing Mr. Brightside. And I, I'll tell you what, that gets the biggest pop at Canada Life Center out of any of the songs I've heard so far this year. Oh yeah, him and Dubois. Dubois song. By the way, now that you bring this up, and we heard it on the weekend. What a goal against Minnesota by Dubois. Oh. You know, as that song goes, "Hey baby," and then, and then it goes, "Ooh ah, fans." This is this is the marching orders. It's not ooh ah, it's do bois. <laughs> Makes too much sense, right? It's been there the whole time. It's it's been there. It's just te- teeing it up. For somebody mentioned that to me at the intermission of a game a few weeks ago, and I'm like, God, I got to mention that on the show right now. So when Dubois does that, you know what uh, you know what to do. Um, Brandon, nice to see that you uh, went down to one of the old stomping grounds, the Red Room, Agit Karaoke in the Village. Good times. That's what the holidays is all about: getting the gang together and belting a few out. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was a beauty of a time. I actually met some some WST listeners. Um, Mark Mark was an absolute beauty. Said some way too nice things about me, which I appreciated. <laughs> but it was a great time. It's a great time. Shout out Chauncey. He held, he holds the fork down at at Agit, so it's always a good time. Yeah. No, there's some real beauties down there. That is a uh, always a fun thing to do around this time of year. Uh, hey, enjoy a little time out at the lake. A very happy New Year to you. Thanks for everything this year, and can't wait to talk to you. Next week, hopefully, uh, talking a bit, a bit of a reversal of fortune about this club as we get into the new year. Yeah, let's keep the vibes going into 2023. And yeah, thanks for having me on, man. We'll talk soon. All the best. There it is, the host of Skates and Plates, Brandon Rewicki. Make sure you're uh, checking out Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, well, we mentioned what time of year it is. Of course, it is Boxing Week. 
And there are some amazing sales going on right now, including over at Royal Sports. Gang, if you got a little extra jingle in the jeans or you know, maybe some money from Christmas, you're looking to get a great deal on something, check out these deals on right now at Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. Everything Under Armour is 50% off. Dr. Martin's boots, 50% off. Dickie's apparel, 25% off. Snowshoes, 25 off. Volcom streetwear, Billabong streetwear, 25 off. Advanced t-shirts and Levi's jeans, 50% off. Over 1,000 Warrior hockey sticks on sale, up to 50% off as well. Make sure to get down to Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and check out their amazing Boxing Day deals this week running through New Year's Eve. And Andrew and the gang over at F Apparel have an amazing sale on right now throughout the week to get you ready for 2023, gentlemen. Thinking about upgrading the wardrobe at all? Well, check this out. All custom clothing, suits, dress shirts, and more, 20% off. Off-the-rack items, sweaters, polos, and whatnot, 30% off. And all accessories like ties, tie bars, socks, pocket squares, 50% off. Now, the sale runs in-store, and that's always the best way to do it. Get down, see their great staff at 190 Smith Street downtown. But you can also order online. So why don't you check it out right now? F Apparel, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And hey, what a great night. If you're not going to the game to uh, settle up with the gang over at Boston Pizza, we've got a big Jets game coming up tonight, a bizarre Thursday nighter where the Dallas Cowboys are taking on the Tennessee Titans. Titans will be playing for the division next week. So Derrick Henry's sitting. Malik Willis, their starting quarterback, or second string, but now starter, is sitting as well. Um, but hey, you'll be able to catch both at your favorite Boston Pizza, win great prizes for all NFL games and Winnipeg Jets hockey games, and check out all the treats on that new holiday menu, including the jalapeno popper dip and the Big Mac and cheese burger as well. Boston Pizza, there's one near you. Pop down with the gang, and uh, if you are staying home, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Mike McIntyre in here for a final visit of 2022. Mike, what's up? How was the how was Christmas at the McIntyre household? Christmas was great. Uh, I mean, other than the the little illness that I was fighting last week, which I managed to shake just in the nick of time. Unfortunately, one of the gifts that I gave to the rest of my family was uh, was the same stomach bug that I was battling. So. Uh, yeah, we folks were a little under the weather, but uh, we had a nice big family dinner and uh, some good gifts under the tree. Uh, it's all about the family time, right? And the McIntyre clan is a big one here in Winnipeg. So I think we had 26 at our at our Christmas uh, our Christmas dinner. So yeah, it was great. Nice to get a few days kind of away from the rink, reset and refresh and recharge. And uh, here we are right back at her. Hey, I just got to give a quick shout out to Rick Benson in the chat. Rick, what's up? First time live from BC. Jets fan, never miss a show on YouTube. Go Jets, go. Rick, great to have you with us and uh, happy new year to you. And hopefully get a nice result tonight at the uh, at the rink. Um, I'll tell you what, let's start with Sam Gagne. Um, I'm not sure whether we'll hear Mr. Brightside tonight. That certainly would be nice considering how much the Jets need a few other guys to pop in with gold. But uh what a wild journey he's had from a top pick at 18 years old, coming into the National Hockey League, a very well-traveled player, 
and a guy that's sort of found a nice home here in Winnipeg and the potential of really doing the one thing he hasn't done very much, and that's playing significant time in the playoffs, Mike. Yeah, it's incredible that he's going to play game 1,000 tonight. But if you look us at playoff games played, he's been stuck on 11. Uh, that's that's not a lot of games. That's over 15 seasons, 11 playoff games. Uh, the takeaway from that is that Sam Gagne has been on a lot of bad hockey teams over the years. Uh, his sense of timing. If well, he you got will, drafted by the Oilers. He did. In and, the middle of the decade of darkness a decade of darkness that's right right and uh and then you know then he was with the red wings kind of after their banner years and while they were undergoing a slow rebuild and he's you know he's been on columbus and vancouver of course who's in town tonight fitting that game 1000 does come against one of his former teams and there's a bunch of guys on that canucks roster that he would have played with um but you're right i mean this is a guy that had to reinvent himself he also you know, wondered if he'd ever get to this stage because a few years back he got sent to the minors. Uh, and then a couple of years later, it happened again. And so he was a long way away from from hitting a thousand games in the NHL. He thought his NHL career might be done around the age of 28. Uh, but, you know, credit to a guy. He's not the biggest guy. Of course, he'll never be confused for the fastest guy, but he does have a high hockey IQ. And he's a bit of a a chameleon, if you will. He can adjust to his surroundings. And you look, you know, here in Winnipeg, it's kind of the prototypical Sam Gagne story. He signs, you know, a league minimum deal. As we heard yesterday from associate coach Scott O'Neill, absolutely nothing was promised to Sam Gagne over the summer. You know, they didn't tell him, you've got this spot in the lineup. There was no guarantee he even makes this roster. Um but he did out of camp. And then as the injuries have started piling up, a guy like Sam Gagne has become a, an even more important piece. And look just tonight, Haas, where he's going to play. You know, he's back on what I would say is the number one line right now uh, beside Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. And we've seen him there at times this season. Uh, and we've seen him play well with those two players. So, you know, Sam Gagne... Uh, just the 375th player, pretty exclusive company when you consider, you know, how many players have come through the NHL in its history. The fact that he's just the 375th to get to the 1,000 game milestone. I also dare say, Haas, he's probably one of the youngest players to get there at the age of 33. And that's because, well, it's two things. He entered the league as an 18-year-old, which, as we know, doesn't happen a whole lot. Uh, but he's also stayed relatively healthy over the course of his career. And, you know, a lot of, you know, close to or, or completely full seasons under his belt. Uh, and I do hope we hear Mr. Brightside because Huss, it's my favorite Jets goal song. I'm a big Killers fan. Seen them three times in concert, most recently uh, down in Minneapolis in September. So I'm, mm -hmm. I love hearing the Killers at any time. And, uh, for sure, it's uh, it's my number one goal song for the Jets. So I suspect we might hear it. They're going to do a pregame ceremony for him tonight. They might play it anyways as part of uh, that ceremony, but it would be nice to kind of hear it in the course of the game. And, hey, he's playing with Connor and Dubois. Uh, he, he certainly got a, a chance, that's for sure. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, uh, anyone outside of the big boys up front that really are normally relied on to scoring could really help out right now because – as I was talking with Brandon, I mean, 
I think what the team has done has been really admirable. I mean, the way they played night in and night out, I give the coaching staff a ton of credit with, um, you know, not allowing the obvious adversity that the team has been facing to become excuses. The expectations are still high. That being said, a a stretch like this was almost bound to happen at some point with the, with the, you know, the lack of, um, you know, talent that's out of the lineup right now, the millions of dollars that are on the IR and players that are frankly playing way above their heads where they would normally be in an NHL lineup. Um, all that being said, no one's going to feel sorry for you, Mike, and they got to figure out a way to win a hockey game tonight. And you get the Vancouver Canucks coming in here that have had their fair share of ups and downs so far, but probably feeling pretty good about themselves considering the amount they've scored in these last three games on this winning streak. And the embarrassment that the Jets handed them at home, I'm sure, will be fresh in the minds of many people in that dressing room. Well, and they didn't have uh, Elias Pettersson or Brock Besser in their lineup that night. They will have them in the lineup tonight. I didn't realize, Huss, that the, the Vancouver Canucks, I mean, I knew they'd won three in a row. Bigger than that, though, these guys are road warriors. They've actually won seven straight road games. And that's remarkable. You might say, okay, a team that's in the upper echelon of the NHL, a seven-game road winning streak, it would be impressive but not surprising. The Vancouver Canucks are below the playoff line and they've won seven in a row on the road. That's uh, that's really hard to do. Um, you know, you would think with that kind of streak, they'd be one of the best teams in the league. They're not, but they've certainly, uh, you know, righted the ship, it would appear. And as Rick Bonus said this morning, it's going to be a different looking Canucks team that the Jets face tonight than the one they saw a couple weeks ago. Of course, the Jets are a little bit different looking. Um, I think actually since that game, the only one to go down has been Cole Perfetti. I think the other six guys on the injured list, uh, Wheeler and Schmidt, had just gone down a few games earlier. So, you know, the Jets were banged up then. They're even more banged up now with with Cole Perfetti out of the lineup. Um, and, and Huss, you know, I've talked a lot about it. I'm, I'm sure you have as well. Like, the Jets built themselves up of a comfortable buffer here with the the sizzling start to the season but things can change in a hurry in the nhl and three wins in nine games and i think almost you know just as big as only getting three wins in nine is that the six losses have all been in regulation it's not like they've managed to you know sneak out the so-called loser point a couple times the buffer right now that was once extremely comfortable, double digits, is three points. That's what's separating the Jets from the ninth place team in the Western Conference uh, that are on the outside looking in right now. And lo and behold, that's the Edmonton Oilers who they face next. Um, and Vancouver is is among the teams that's you know getting closer in the rearview mirror and Calgary is the other team right above Edmonton right now in that eighth and final spot. Who are Winnipeg's next three games against Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. These are three big, big hockey games coming up. And what happens between now and next Tuesday night, um, it's going to go quite a ways in, in kind of shaping where the Jets are and I guess the level or or not of panic that maybe is setting in with this group um, because that 
that buffer has eroded and there are teams now hot on their heels. You know, the Jets have kind of been the hunted for the longest period of time. What they don't want to happen is to fall back into that pack and become the hunters again, especially when, in the case of the Jets, the the pack that you're hunting with is, is so greatly reduced right now. And I don't know if you heard the updates, um, Huss, from Rick Bonus this morning. I actually went through all seven injured players with Rick Bonus. Um, there were some interesting answers and insight from the coach. And, and I would say in some ways almost alarming on the status of a few guys. First of all, we learned today that Nate Schmidt, the guy who went down in mid-December and was believed to be four to six weeks away, he he might be the first guy now back into the lineup. And I'm not sure that that's so much a great development for Nate Schmidt as it is a not-so-great development for the other injured players, some of whom are clearly not healing as quick as had hoped. Saku Manalainen, number one, he was believed to be a week away. Now he's not. Uh, and even Nikolai Ehlers, who continues to skate, but you know they're still talking two-plus weeks for Ehlers. It feels like they keep moving the goalposts a little further away on him. And I mean, Mike, the, uh, I mean, the Ehler, like with all due respect to Saku Menelainen, you'd love to have him back in the lineup. He's been a versatile player. He's been a good guy in that bottom six. But I mean, right now up front, I mean, as long as Sam Gagne is, you know, playing there and Carson Kuhlman coming off waivers and basically <laughs> staying in the top six, I mean, you need to get Nikola Ehlers back and you need to get Blake Wheeler back and to get back some Cole semblance Perfetti. of a yeah. real top six, including Cole Perfetti. And I mean, Perfetti, the Perfetti one's scary to me because, and I know it was nice. Agreed. They said, oh, we're thinking seven to 10 days. But if you recall last year, the hit from Jamie Alexiak in that Seattle game that knocked him out essentially for the rest of the season. Um, it was that upper body. It was right yeah. there around the shoulder. Shoulder. And, I mean, that Brandon Carlo hit wasn't anything out of the norm, but you saw him dealing with that. And, you know, if you've already had an injury, and I'm not speculating, I mean, I, can't, I don't know which shoulder it was with the other injury, whether it's the same one or not. But the bottom line is that you're really relying on a group, a core group of players. And it's been incredible what they've done without Nikolai Ehlers, to be honest. I mean, I think he's such an important player on this team sure. when he's at a hundred percent. It's been admirable that they were able to progress through. But if you keep chipping away at the limited offensive firepower that you have amongst that forward group, um, you know, it really does put a ton of pressure on the likes of Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor, who've been full marks for their performance this year. But at what point does the general manager say, okay, we got to go and do something right now. And and listen, if everyone is close to coming back, I sort of get the standing pat, you know, maintaining your cap space, maintaining your ability to maybe do something bigger at the deadline. But I'm not sure Kevin Sheveldale has that luxury in a couple weeks if the no. team doesn't put a few wins together. I, I agree. The, the runway has shortened considerably. And it could disappear entirely in the next couple of weeks. And what you have to be careful here is that you don't let a great start completely slip away as you stand pat and do nothing. And then by the time you do get healthy, you waited too long. And now, 
you know, now you're in panic and scramble mode. So these are all things that that no doubt Kevin Shoveldayoff is is probably tossing and turning at night about. What I find remarkable is this, Huss, and you followed the team as long as anyone. Can you remember the last time the Winnipeg Jets had 29 players counting against the active salary cap? That's where they stand today. The lineup the Jets will field tonight is only like a $55 million roster, but it's actually almost an $81 million capped out roster because the seven injured players are still counting against the cap in addition to the 22 active players on the roster. Right now, with Christian Reichel coming up this morning, the Jets have one extra forward, one extra D. Reichel uh, will be the forward scratch tonight. Kyle Capobianco, the defense scratch as Billy uh, Hanelo comes back in. So they have two extra players, but they have no cap space right now. In fact, if the Jets were to run into another situation where they'd have to call somebody up, they have no money left to do it. The only thing they could do at this point was would be to activate LTIR, which is something that they haven't wanted to do. And I won't go into the the all the complexities of that, but but in in essence, the reason they haven't wanted to use long-term injured reserve is because it now eliminates the ability to accrue cap space, which they've been doing all year, which you can then sort of weaponize around the trade deadline. For example, if they wanted to take a run at Jonathan Tays and $10 million, um, you could potentially fit money like that in because you've accrued enough space throughout the year. If you use LTIR, the accruing stops. So right now the Jets haven't used LTIR, but they may soon have no choice if they don't start getting injured guys back. And if injuries keep mounting, they're running out of options here. They really are. And uh, it's, it's, you know, I think not only Kevin Shovelayoff is probably tossing and turning at night, Larry Simmons, uh, you know, the capologist, the assistant GM, who I've seen around the team a lot more these last couple weeks than usual. Um, he He's right there always. He was down there around the room this morning. Like, he's probably, you know, got his work cut out for him right now, trying to crunch all the numbers and and what they, you know, possibly can do and can't do. Yeah, well, and the other I, somewhat ironic thing is, the, you know, the Jets – had themselves in a very good cap situation, but that's all been eroded yeah. game by game as you've added more players to it. I mean, dead mo- they have dead all this dead money right yeah. now. Yeah, and I mean, you're not accruing very much when you've got no. 26 million just sitting there in the press box right now. No, I think as of this morning, I looked on cap friendly. <clears throat> I think they're at 81, like 81.1 or something. They they basically have like four hundred thousand dollars left in salary which wouldn't even cover a league minimum player coming up so you're right the accruing has all but stopped and you know it's it's got to be painful in addition to obviously what's happening on the ice uh over the last couple weeks but to have all this money that right now is just sitting there and you know it's it's not providing you any value on the ice but you're not even now really getting the benefits of of that cap space sort of for down the road either. And, you know, that's why they're going to have to make here a decision, especially if, if, if guys aren't coming back as quickly as they thought, 
if the losses continue to kind of mount and then they decide, you know what, we, we got to do something here to try and save us from kind of swirling down the drain. Um, but the options are very limited at this point in time, for sure. Let me ask you this, because this is something I was kicking around with Brandon, who has, you know, for many weeks has said he would have liked the team maybe to be a little bit aggressive and get ahead of this right now. And I guess there's pros and cons to it, the cap space, the creation, what you're able to do at the deadline that you might not be able to do now. Right. But it's quite obvious that there has been a need. Whether we're talking about right now, two weeks, what do you think the Jets are willing to part with right now? I mean, what would what would be on the table from a Winnipeg perspective to improve it? I mean, I'm watching this World Junior, and I think just considering where the team is with contracts ending in the next couple of years, I don't think, put it this way, if they're about to trade their first-round pick for next year's draft, I think you would see a team that is in first place yes. well down the road. I, I, I don't see that. I mean... Is it a Vili Hanla? Is it one of those players right now? I mean, is that and is that what would get you the best asset coming back to help a team right now, not just at the deadline, but for the foreseeable future if you get them in earlier? Yeah, I think if you're the Jets, <clears throat> really anything except your first round pick for this coming draft has got to be on the table. I, I would not risk trading at this point. Again, there, there's only a three point buffer on a playoff spot. Um, Kevin Sheveldayoff would be run out of town if he moved the first round draft pick this year and then the Jets didn't make the playoffs and that becomes a potential lottery pick and a chance, even whether it's at Connor Bedard or, you know, one of the other number of up to five, perhaps, you know, generational type foundation players that experts say this coming draft will yield. But I think if you're the Jets you got to be aggressive here and and not just because you've seen the potential under Rick bonus with what this group can do even well, severely shorthanded. That's one factor for sure. Some confidence that my goodness, if we had a, a bit better roster, imagine what these guys could accomplish. The other reason to me, Huss, that you have to be aggressive here. I don't need to remind fans, Connor Hellebuck, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Mark Shifley, are now 18 months away from being UFAs. You have no idea what the future holds for any of those three players and what that potentially means to the window here in Winnipeg. You have those three players under contract for this season and one more, in Dubois' case, they don't have them under contract for next season, but you at least you know retain rights to that player. But I think that almost more than anything is a reason to be aggressive because if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff and the future is very uncertain and if, if you know, two or three of those guys are gone by the summer of 2024, then this Jets team, we're talking about a very different direction. I think then at that point, you're into a rebuild more than anything at that point because you've probably now moved those guys for future assets just to at least get something. Um, and if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, are you even around to oversee that? Like if, if you're Sheveldayoff, I think you almost have to view this as this could be the last kick at the can, certainly with the group that you have here. 
And he's seen enough already this year with what Rick Bonus and his staff have done to at least have some confidence that they could potentially accomplish some special things, but they, they desperately need help. Uh, and so you would try to build around that. And I, if, if I'm shoveled off, basically I'm listening to everything short of my first round draft pick. And that would mean guys like Anala, guys like Lucius, guys like McGrory, guys like Lambert. I, I'm not saying you trade all those players, but if you're talking about the need to address a hole now, um, I think you have to keep your, your ears open to that. Here's the thing, and I'll give a counterpoint on that. Um, because of everything that we've said and the uncertainty of well, what this roster is going to look like even next year, because, I mean, we can talk about a two-year window. I think they need to get clarity at least with two of the three, Dubois sure. and Hellebuck, in the offseason. I think because of that and knowing that regardless, just with age, we are going to see a turnover in this roster, those three first-round picks – Rutger McGrory, Brad Lambert, and Chaz Lucius. I mean, you project past next season into the following season, those could very well be key cornerstone players of a Jets 3.0, if you will, kind of moving on from Shifley and Wheeler and those players for the first time. So, I mean, listen, I'm all about making the most of this season right now, but I really think that the first-round pick this year and those three guys, like, I... It would have to be a massive trade for them, I think, to move off first-round picks and first-round talent because yeah. when you're in Winnipeg and when you're in this market, those are the things that you have under team control. Those are the things that will be your future, your, your future cornerstones. And, I mean, to get some help in the middle six right now to trade one of those players that are world juniors right now, uh, I'm not sure it really does help you in the big picture unless you're knocking on the door of winning a cup and listen, as optimistic as I am about this club, I don't think that we're close to that right now. No, although again, and life changes fast. They went into Boston last Thursday as the number one team in the Western conference based on win percentage, despite all these injuries. Right. So um, if you take the view that, Hey, maybe the West is wide open this year. Maybe there isn't, you know, Colorado, which was so dominant last year, Talk about teams that are banged up. Colorado is, is they're ravaged by injuries. If, if the thinking is the West is wide open and if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, and again, as great as all those future assets are, and like you say, potentially Jets 3.0, I guess the question is, if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, are you even around when all those guys are now your next core and and even if if you're looking that far down the road as a GM, I mean, what does that say for guys like Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, Josh Morrissey, who in two, three, four years, they're that much closer to kind of being where Shifley and Hellebuck are now. Um, so I, I guess that what I'm saying is at some point, you almost have to live in the moment. And if I'm the Jets... I've seen enough this year to be excited about the moment and excited enough that I'm willing to be maybe more aggressive than I thought I would have been when this season began, um, especially with the state of the West. And, you know, it looks like the best teams in the NHL this year are, are all out in the East. And so you worry about that. Hey, if we could just get to the cup final, I mean, that in and of itself would be a win and then anything can happen. But 
you know, a lot, a lot of things, as I say, uh, I, I don't imagine Kevin Sheveldayoff and company are sleeping all that well these days, uh, given the all the things that are on the to-do list and on the mind. Yeah, funny how uh, three losses in a row in a week yeah. can, uh, can change things. Hey, Mike? Um, hey, great. So, you know, it's a perfect why not question of the day, folks. If you're Kevin Sheveldayoff and you're looking to make a move to get help now, would you consider... But we're not even going to talk about the first round pick this year. That's we've already determined that's off the table. But are the Jets' last three first rounders, Brad Lambert, Rucker McGrory, Chaz Lucius, all playing at the World Juniors right now? Would those assets be on the table for a move? Let us know in the chat. Why not question of the day? Brought to you by our friends at Not Autocorp. Mike, great stuff as always. Um, always love our chats, and I can't wait to do it again with you on a regular basis uh, starting next week in 2023. Absolutely, Haas. Uh, never a dull moment around the hockey team and on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, have a, a great uh, and happy new year, prosperous new year to you and all the listeners, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next week. You got it. We're going to talk a little bit more about the visitors coming up as the uh, Canucks have been winning some hockey games right now, and what a wild season they've had. Jeff Patterson's going to join us in just a minute. Before we do that, I have to give a big happy new year and thanks to our great partners and friends over at Princess Auto. Proud sponsors of the Bombers, providing those incredible times at the Princess Auto tailgate zone before the games, and a massive sponsor of curling here in our province and coast to coast. And in addition to that, great sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto, as you all know, is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road or Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And of course, the gang at Culligan Water, another great local business that's been around for a long, long time, 65 plus years to be exact, serving Manitobans on all of their water needs. And Culligan really has everything that you and your family could possibly want. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, not to mention commercial and industrial water products and solutions as well. Whatever your water needs are, Culligan's there for you. 1200 Sergeant Avenue. You can give them a call at 204-694-5180 or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. And hey, New Year's Eve is coming up. I know you're going to want to make that trip to the uh, Manitoba Liquor Marts earlier than New Year's Eve itself to avoid crazy lines. When you do, check out everyone's favorite Canadian whiskey, the legendary Canadian Club. Of course, it's available there. And Bomber fans, don't forget those Jim Beam displays as well. For a limited time, when you buy a bottle of Jim Beam, a Winnipeg Blue Bomber collector glass featuring Zach Caleros, Adam Big Hill, or Nick Dembski right now, those are available at the 20 largest Manitoba liquor marts in the city. Big thanks to Canadian Club and our friends at Beam Suntory for their great support of WST. All right, looking forward to this because, um, you know, for all of our Jets talk, there's been a lot of interesting conversations around the visitors tonight. And our old pal Jeff Patterson joins us. Nice to get the one T Patterson's back. What's up, Jay Pat? How are you? Absolutely, my brother, although not really my brother. But yeah, when you see on screen, it looks like you're right. There aren't enough one T Patterson's in the world. But uh, hey, uh, happy to be with you. Happy New Year to you and uh, all of your viewers and your 
listeners. And uh, yeah, we're all just trying to make our way in this new digital frontier. No doubt. And speaking of that, by the way, of course, gang, uh, you know, Blake and uh, and uh, Matt Sakaris that have been with us. Jeff, of course, a contributor there and does Rinkwide Vancouver. Uh, you can check out the description in today's episode for links to both of those shows and to make sure to pop over and give them a uh, a view and a sub for all things Canucks. Jeff, this has been... I, I, like We've had an interesting season here in Winnipeg dealing with a ton of injuries, a great start, huge questions going in about you know what this team was going to be under Rick Bonus, And you know, so far, so good, despite this three-game blip for the first time this season. Completely different story with the Vancouver Canucks dating back to the drop of the puck on the season, at which point it could not have started any worse. And yet we've sort of seen a Canucks team pull itself up off the mat and at least get back into playing meaningful hockey games as we go into the new year. Yeah, I've been at this a while, covered the Canucks for more than two decades here in Vancouver. Never seen a season like this one. And and you're right. I mean, an 0-5-2 start. There was so much talk around this group that they had learned their lesson last year. It cost Travis Green and Nolan Baumgartner and Jim Benning and John Weisbrod and others uh, their jobs. They had this organizational house cleaning in early December because 25 games into the season, they had eight wins, and they were hell-bent on having a better start because they knew that games in October meant every bit as much as games in April. And then they threw up all over themselves, 0-5-2 out of the gate. They had a players-only meeting after the fourth game of the season Bruce Boudreaux was scratching veterans and, and sending messages a week into the season. Uh, one of the things that, and, and we had never seen that. Like the NHL has been around a while. Never in NHL history had a team started the season with multiple goal leads in each of its first three games and ended up losing. And that's what happened. They were up 3 nothing in Edmonton on opening night and lost 5-3 to the Oilers. Now, David, I uh, kind of got interested in that game halfway through, had a hat trick. But then they went to Philadelphia. They squandered a two-goal lead there. They went to Washington, the same thing. And in fact, it happened in the fourth game of the season as well in Columbus. So they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Like, it's not an easy league to get multiple leads. So they were doing some good things in, in games. But ultimately, defense has been the biggest problem for this team. They just they cannot defend. They've given up five or more goals in 15 of the 34 games that they have played already this season. Now, they score in bunches, too. So... Uh, they've been wildly entertaining. Uh, there's been a 7-6 game. There's been an 8-5 game. There's been a couple of 6-5 games. Like It feels like we're transporting back in time here. Uh, but here we are, you know, not even halfway through this season, and there have just been these bizarre games. But through it all, uh, they have managed. Since that 0-5-2 start, they are 16-10-1. So, you know, those 27 games, their most recent 27 games, they're on a path uh, a projected pace that would put them around 100 points. Unfortunately, when you dig yourself the kind of hole that they did right out of the gates, uh, you're playing catch-up, and that's not an easy way uh, to make hay in the National Hockey League. You know, I mean, I want to talk about some of the key players and the interesting stories, but I have to start with Bruce Boudreaux because he was the toast of the town. It was Bruce there it is last year when he joined in. and But it in the offseason, it's, it's, it did seem like there was a bit of a disconnect maybe from the head coach to the direction of management. And then you have that horrible start, at which point, you know, many people were speculating that Bruce might be gone soon. How has he handled this? And this is a guy with a lot of experience. I mean, what have you seen or heard from Bruce? And what are the buttons that he's pushed to get the Canucks, as we said, off the mat and back into the fight? 
He was the right guy for the job when he took over from Travis Green last December. The, the team was just down in the dumps. Uh, <laughs> nothing was going right. And there were a lot of individuals that weren't feeling it. And Bruce is all about positivity. Anybody that spent a minute around this guy, uh, you know, that's just who he is. That's uh, his nature. And I think in that moment, uh, Elias Pettersson wasn't playing well. Brock Besser certainly wasn't performing and producing the way that they needed him to. There were others. And Bruce came in and built these guys back up. And he's done that elsewhere in Minnesota, in Anaheim, in Washington as well. Like that's been his MO is take sort of distressed assets and find a way to, you know, build them up, put a fresh coat of paint on them. And he did that perfectly. And they had that run last year, the 57 games that he coached. They made it interesting. Ultimately, they fell short of the playoffs. Part of that was Thatcher Demko got hurt late. Bo Horvat, who was on a goal-scoring binge and giving us a sense of what was to come, he got hurt late as well. And, and when you're playing catch-up, you know, every game's a game seven, and, and ultimately it does take a toll. And so they missed the playoffs. And for him, starting from scratch, you would have thought, all right, he had all this success last year. He's going to pick up where he left off. But every year is a different year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, his his – future here and the fact that he's a lame duck and couldn't get an extension even though you know he had a, a winning record and, and did a lot of good things last year uh Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin said nope you, you're signed to a two-year deal and even you know it's come out since that Rutherford when he took over didn't even realize that Boudreaux had the, the second year on his deal so there's just a lot of things that haven't made sense necessarily around the coaching position Rutherford has teed off a couple of times uh, on his coach, lamented the lack of structure, and Rutherford's not wrong. I, we talked about all the goals that this team gives up. Now, some of that is Thatcher Demko, uh, and who could have seen that coming, got off to just a dreadful start, and then on December 1st, got hurt and is going to be out uh, probably through the end of January. So they're running with Spencer Martin, who had all of nine NHL starts uh, to his credit prior to the season. He's tried to do what he can, but you know, he's a backup. And I think they're asking too much to think that he can carry the load over the long haul here. So, uh, yeah, a little structure in front of the goaltenders would probably help. And I, I'm just not sure that Bruce Boudreaux and Jim Rutherford and Patrick Elvine are necessarily on the same page. Bruce is a guy that loves offense. It's the way he played. It's the way he coaches. But ultimately, in the National Hockey League and in most pro sports, it is defense that gets you where you want to go. So, uh, defense has been an issue, but Bruce seems to be doing things his way. I don't believe he's going to be the coach next year. The question is, will he remain the coach through the duration of this season? Well, it is absolutely fascinating, especially considering the way the team started and, to your point, the way they played and the results they've had over the last 27 games. And now the Canucks are – I mean, listen, I know they're five game points back, and that's a long way – but, I mean, they are in it right now. And a big part of that is the fact that they have been able to score goals. And they've been coming in bunches as of late. And two of the guys that you lean on the most for that are in very, very different situations. And I'm really interested in your perspective on the offseason into this year and the differences in JT Miller who got the eight-year extension that doesn't kick in until next year, which I'm sure lit up the phone lines on Sakaris and Price and uh, your inbox, and Captain Bo Horvat, who's having a monster season right now with 26 goals in 34 games that does not have a contract and is a pending unrestricted free agent. Yeah, and through the offseason and really going back to the trade deadline last year, uh, it felt like JT Miller was going to be shipped out. And I think that they took some offers uh, from around the National Hockey League. Ultimately, they weren't blown away. And then it got to the draft. And you may recall there were reports in the draft floor that the Canucks and the Islanders <laughs> were you know, up to something. And that fell through. 
And out of nowhere on the Labor Day long weekend, uh, you know, it was the Friday, the long weekend. We we're all sort of getting ready to go into long weekend mode, getting ready for, you know, the hockey season that was to come. And then this news just drops out of nowhere. There'd been really no speculation that they had committed and hitched their wagon to JT Miller on this extension of seven years and eight million per. Now he was coming off a 99 point season. But my hunch is that they just didn't like the offers. I think they felt that they could get better. Uh, and those trades never materialized. And so they felt, well, you know, we better sign this guy. And yeah, he's been all right. Like he's a, he's a good player, but he also at times has looked like a guy who secured the bag and doesn't have to worry about, you know, his financial future ever again in his life. Uh, he's not the stoutest player defensively. And that uh, certainly uh, has been apparent, uh, you know, just a lot of turnovers, blind passes into the middle that have wound up in the back of their net and those types of things. Uh, but they've hitched their wagon to this guy. And, and now there are a lot of people in Vancouver that are wondering, you know, did they make the wrong call here? Should the priority have been the captain? He's younger. He's two years younger than JT Miller. And he has exploded uh, 26 goals in 34 games. Uh, just to give you a sense of the kind of season Bo Horvat's having, I uh, scored two goals in each of the last two games. He's coming off back-to-back four-point games. He has scored on four of the last five shots that he has taken. Like, he's just on this undeniable heater, uh, the likes of which we haven't seen in Vancouver in a while. And I know, like, you know, Austin Matthews scored 60. Like, Horvat's kind of on that pace. And it's just bizarre uh, because he's been a good player. Now, he got on a nice run late last season and then broke a bone in his foot when he blocked a shot and missed the final 10 games. But he's got 37 goals in his last 50 games going back to late last season. So this isn't like he's just caught lightning in a bottle here. He gave us some glimpses of it, but just everything going his way right now and to score on four of the last five shots is just a sort of an illustration that everything he touches, he's just got the Midas touch right now. And it's been fun to watch. Uh, even his teammates laugh about it a little bit. I mean, they're enjoying the ride. But early in the season, he was scoring and the team wasn't winning. And I think that was eating away at him that, you know, he said, like, I'll trade all these goals for for wins. Now he's scoring and he's contributing to victories. He had three points in the third period the other night in the final game before Christmas in Edmonton, and they won five to two. Like, you know, that's the captain stepping up in a two-all tie and breaking that game wide open. And then the other night opens the scoring at home against San Jose and scored later in that game as well. So now he's scoring and contributing, and this team is winning, and they come into tonight on a three-game win streak, and so they're feeling better about themselves. Uh, but the issue hasn't gone away at all. He's without a contract. He's a pending unrestricted free agent. We're about to hit January here, and some massive decisions have to be made whether, uh, you know, every goal he scores, it kind of feels like the, the rate goes up 50 grand, and... Like I didn't think coming into the season that Bo Horvat could command eight million a season, but goal scorers get paid, and so uh, you know I don't know that he's necessarily an eight million dollar player. And if the goal scoring and the shooting percentage, you know, if they revert to just his career norms, uh, somebody's likely to be overpaying. And the question is, is it going to be the Canucks? Or are they going to be able to carve out the, sa- the the cap space necessary because they're up against it? So they really don't have room, but. Could they get out from under Brock Besser? Could they move off Connor Garland? Could they possibly trade the former Jet Tyler Myers, who still has a season beyond this one and has a $5 million signing bonus due in the offseason? And there's no team that wants to take that on. So the Canucks would probably have to uh, account for that and throw in a sweetener if uh, there was a team that was willing to acquire Myers. Or teams will wait until after this season and after that bonus is paid out. So 
Uh, look, this management group's been on the job for a year now. They haven't done anything in the way of shedding salary, but they've committed to Miller. They went out and they re-signed Brock Besser to a three-year deal, and they added Ilya Mikheyev in the offseason. So, yeah, they scored goals, but they didn't address the defense in any way whatsoever, and that has been the biggest weakness for a while here. And so through no fault of his own and through this incredible performance, it sort of feels like Bo Horvat is ultimately going to be the odd man out and is going to feel the squeeze. Now, he'll get paid somewhere, but he's only been a Canuck. He's the captain. He's raised his young family here in Vancouver. I think he wants to stay, but I'm just not sure that uh, the dollar signs or the stars are going to line up for this one. Well, and, and you know, it's fascinating here in Winnipeg watching this play out because um, if Kevin Sheveldayoff doesn't make moves and probably some tough decisions in the offseason along the likes of Connor Hellebuck, Mark Scheifele, Pierre-Luc Dubois, we could be in this exact same situation next year. And it does beg the question, how does this end? Like, I think, Jeff, I'm sure you would agree that the recent way the team has played and the fact that they've been winning games and they're back into the mix to challenge for a playoff spot, you know, later on in the season makes it far harder to move off of Bo Horvat. But if you don't do that and you miss the playoffs or you're one and done quickly, man, you're missing a huge uh, opportunity to replenish some important assets for a team that, you know, really the future doesn't seem as much like it's right now, but a little bit down the road, especially considering what you've already given out to JT Miller. Right. And the minute they trade Bo Horvat, they're going to spend the next five years trying to find the next Bo Horvat. And that's, that's the downfall here. And really you can track a lot of this back. Like the new management group has been on the job for a year Uh, But they inherited a mess. And let's be honest, Jim Benning's tenure in Vancouver uh, was a disaster on a lot of levels on the ice, but certainly with a lot of the contracts. And, you know, I go back to the Thanksgiving and, of course, the schedule in the season was all tilted, but Thanksgiving weekend after the bubble. So the Canucks had the flash in the bubble where they beat Minnesota, they beat St. Louis and they pushed Vegas. And there was some excitement in this market. So that was the first time that they had played playoff hockey since 2015. And then that Thanksgiving weekend was free agency that year and Chris Tanev and Jacob Markstrom and Tyler Toffoli and Troy Stetcher all walked out the door with nothing to show for any of those guys. And you look at Toffoli and what he signed for ultimately in Montreal and the Canucks could have afforded to make that deal. They didn't. And then in the same breath, they go out and they give up a first rounder and Dylan Gunther, who's doing great things now at the, the world juniors and had a, a fine run in junior in Edmonton, uh, you know, and OEL, they took on that contract that expires, uh, you know, in the year 3000 or something. Uh, but they also, they wanted Connor Garland, but they basically had Connor Garland in Tyler Toffoli. And if they had just committed to, to Toffoli, uh, who I think is, and, and has a, a longer track record, certainly of scoring in the NHL, Uh, You know, they had that player. They wouldn't have had to part with the assets they did. And ultimately, if there had been a little bit more patience, like the Canucks wanted to shed those contracts of the last year of Louis Erickson and Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel. Uh, They did all of that, and they still missed the playoffs. And so in hindsight, they should have bit the bullet, just toughed it out for one more year. They would have freed up $15 in cap space. They wouldn't have had the commitment that they do to Oliver ekman Larson and you know, they've got Connor Garland at uh, $5 million per for three years beyond this one. He had a decent first season last year, but uh, he's had a tough go of it in the first half this year. So, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's asset allocation has been such a uh, a problem 
for this organization for the last little while. And that brings us right back to modern day with Bo Horvat that, you know, you just can't keep everybody. Uh, there's not enough money to go around in a flat cap world. And the other thing is this team's done nothing. And so to continue to, you know, just commit to the same guys over and over and over, uh, you know, really, what are we doing here? Ultimately is, is the question that gets asked an awful lot. And we haven't even talked about Elias Pedersen, who has just been lights out good this year is basically on pace for a hundred point season. And like, these are his prime years. He's 24. Like you want to be like, you got to surround your best players. Quinn Hughes, a point of game guy as a defenseman, the type of defenseman that the Canucks have never had in 50 years. You've got Pedersen and you've got Hughes and they're both having these incredible offensive seasons. And the question is like, what, what's best case scenario that they squeeze into a wild card spot and probably get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. And how does that set you up for the years to come? And so there are a lot of people that would rather see some really difficult decisions be made. Uh, about this team to truly set a course and a direction because they've been rudderless basically for the last decade. The, you know, the previous decade was great. It, it led them to Game 7 of a Stanley Cup final, produced and provided a ton of excitement in the market. But since then, it's been a dark decade. And uh, it just kind of feels like they're spinning their wheels without like really difficult direct decisions being made to build around the star players, to put a course of action in place that's going to make them a legitimate contender and not having this every year about you know, can they make the playoffs and can they just bump ahead of the playoff bar? Uh, people have seen that and nobody gets excited in this market. They want to see sustained success, but they want to see a course of action that gives them belief that management has both hands firmly on the wheel. Well, and, and just to bring it back to tonight's game, but also the bigger story that we're talking about. I mean, Bo Horvat's your second leading scorer and he's an unrestricted free agent. The Canucks' third leading scorer is also an unrestricted free agent, and that is Kuzmenko, who's making less than a million dollars right now. Um, fill us in on the type of player he is. I'm sure there's many Jet fans or people watching that haven't seen him yet, the impact that he's made, and how that may complicate their situation going forward, knowing what he's done on the ice for this club so far this season. Uh, he's been everything that they could have hoped. And I'll admit, I was skeptical. We've seen guys put up numbers in the KHL, but how does it translate to a smaller rink and a new culture and, and, you know, you're a long way from home. Uh, he's 26. So he's not young, uh, but they did a nice job. They surrounded him. They brought in Ilya Mikheyev uh, represented by Dan Milstein, both of them. So, you know, there was a relationship and Mikheyev served as a bit of a, a buffer there and a translator. And they had basically Pod Coles in the first rounder from a couple of years ago, although he's down in the minors right now. Uh, but Kuzmenko has come in and from the first day of training camp, like you could just see the skill uh, his shot popped. It was different than most of the guys, and most of the guys at this level can fire the puck. But you could just get a sense that there was something there, and he had a big preseason and hit the ground running. And uh, for the most part, it's played with Elias Pettersson, so they put him in a position to succeed right away. The one area that surprised me, I suppose, is uh, how successful he's been as a net front guy on the power play, and he has scored a bunch of goals. Uh, he's got 14 on the season. I, I would say five or six of them have come just tap-ins on the doorstep where the Canucks have zipped it around to the power play, and they have a top 10 power play in the National Hockey League. And Kuzmenko, one of his real gifts is finding that soft spot. Uh, you know, but it's not easy to go to the front of the net and to stay there. You pay a price generally. And we think of, you know, Todd Bertuzzi's of the world as sort of a net front, you know, your prototypical net front guy on the power play, but the game is changing. And Kuzmenko doesn't, his timing and sense of anticipation of knowing when to get there and just put a stick on the ice and, and has scored a ton of those sort of tap-ins, whether it's uh, Miller from the left side or Pedersen from the right side, finding him and feeding him. 
Uh, he scored a few with the, the big shot, had a hat trick uh, against Anaheim. He scored a, you know, pulled the trigger on a breakaway in overtime in San Jose a couple of weeks ago as well. So uh, he's dangerous. He's full of skill. Uh, he's a playmaker, but he's also got that finishing ability. And so 30 points uh, in the 33 games that he has played, he missed one because he was a healthy scratch, game 15 or 16 in Boston, the tail end of an Eastern road trip. And and his play was tailing off a little bit. I'm not sure it warranted a healthy scratch, but I think it was a bit of a message. And look, they've sent a ton of messages to a bunch of different guys already this season. Uh, Brock Besser was almost a healthy scratch. Connor Garland has been a healthy scratch. And I think Bruce Boudreaux, you know, just trying to push buttons and make sure that uh, complacency wasn't setting in with any of these guys. Whatever the case, they sat him down for a night. He bounced back. He responded. And he's been good for them. And, but you're right. Uh, his future is uncertain, too. Uh, you know, like goal scorers get paid. And his buddy, uh, Mikheyev, getting close to $5 million with uh, a four-year deal. You know, my sense is that that's kind of the contract that he's going to be looking for uh, on his next deal. And again, you don't have money for Horvat. Uh, do you have money for Kuzmenko? Is there a way that you could, again, free up and move off other players to create room for these guys? Uh, whatever the case, the one thing about Kuzmenko, uh, he has been a fan favorite here. This guy just, he is loving life. Massive personality, huge million-dollar smile. It'll be a $5 million smile if he keeps scoring. Uh, <laughs> but he's just, you know, he's one of those guys. Like he, he just, he looks like he is loving every day in the National Hockey League. He's probably thinking he should have come over here a little bit sooner. But uh, he's been a big part of why the Canucks score goals. They've got five guys who have a dozen or more goals already this season, led by Horvat. But you've got Miller, you've got Pedersen. You've got Kuzmenko, and then Mikheyev scored the other night and has scored in a couple in back-to-back games now, and he's at a dozen on the season. So, yeah, offense, no issues. Defense, and the worst penalty killing in the National Hockey League, and some of that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. But as much fun as it's been to watch them score goals, uh, they keep shooting themselves in the foot on too many nights, and especially with a backup goaltender. Uh, you know, they're never out of games uh, because when they're down, they score, but uh, when they're up, uh, they give up too much. And so who knows what tonight brings. They think they're playing a little bit better. They come in on a three-game win streak. And miraculously, with all of the things that we've talked about in this first half of the season, they arrive in Winnipeg tonight on a seven-game road win streak. <laughs> so you figure that out. We can't. But they're going to try to make it eight in a row if they can beat the Jets tonight. Two very interesting teams facing off tonight. And, of course, it wasn't even two weeks ago that, uh, you know, the Jets really thumped the Canucks, albeit without Pedersen and Besser. And uh be very interesting to see how they bounce back and uh, what we get from this Jets team that's so decimated going into tonight, not unlike many other teams in the NHL. Jeff, this was amazing. Thanks so much. All the best to you and the Go Goat fam heading into the new year. And uh, shout out to 1T Pattersons everywhere. Thanks for doing this. Well, let's do it again soon. Hey, the Canucks are back. At, well, they're there on a Sunday, so that probably doesn't work. But they're back there on January the 8th. So they're going to hey, see a, you know. Remus will be texting you and we'll do something that week leading <laughs> in because this was a lot of fun. And listen, there's enough interesting storylines for both of these teams to uh, crank out plenty more content. We'll do it as well. Thanks so much for your time and enjoy the one tonight. Yeah, Happy New Year to you and uh, all your viewers. Good stuff. There's Jeff Patterson from Vancouver, rink-wide Vancouver, and, of course, Sakaris and Price, uh, one of the best. And uh, that was an awesome segment to some great information on the visitors that are coming up tonight. All right, Marbles registration is open, gang. You know what to do, exclamation mark Marbles, our final qualifying race before tomorrow's grand finale of the Tournament of Champions where our qualifiers will be playing for 
a pair of Blue Bomber season tickets courtesy of Consolidated Supply. Just before we get Remo back in here and get to the cool bet lines, um, do have to thank our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. As I mentioned, did I practiced what I preached. I was in charge of dessert for Christmas dinner. What better, what better treat that everyone always is guaranteed to love than a DQ ice cream cake? And I got the regular one. I am quite intrigued about the blizzard cakes. That's going to be on the list, although we might, like Ruwiki, we might have to wait till February maybe to dive into a blizzard cake after some progress is made on all our New Year's resolutions. Bottom line, though, is 12 months a year, Nick and Nikki DQ are there for you. Four locations, the DQ in Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. Amazing stack burgers, fries, chicken fingers, all the hot treats, and the best ice cream treats around as well. Take home cakes and more milkshakes, blizzards. You know how it is at Nick and Nikki's EQ. And big happy new year to Nick and Nikki for their great support. And hey, Little Brown Jug's ready for New Year's. If you go to littlebrownjug.ca or check out their socials, they got a big uh, New Year's Eve bash happening, which might be something that you might want to take in. Uh, but before the clock strikes 12, you're probably going to want to be stocking up on your favorites. And hey, let's face it, when it comes to great local Winnipeg beers, Little Brown Jug is number one, led by the iconic 1919. But, you know, as Little Brown Jug always does, brewing all of their own beer right there at the brewery and tap room in the exchange. Um, some amazing seasonal beers as well. Best place to check those out for yourself is down on William Avenue in the exchange. But if you can't get there, look for the Little Brown Jug display in any fine beer store around the city of Winnipeg and province of Manitoba. And next time you're out for a pop, make sure to ask if they've got 1919 on tap. Citywide delivery as well, littlebrownjug.ca. Go and check it out. All right, let's get Remus back in here. As I mentioned, coming up to 3 p.m., our final qualification is on right now exclamation mark marbles in the chat room and uh man that was a great conversation with jeff there really is a few teams more interesting on all sides of the vancouver canucks room yes uh i find the vancouver canucks absolutely fascinating and he said uh what jim benning's tenure was a disaster they completely mismanaged the salary cap and the roster and that's why they are where they are and someone said why wouldn't they just sign or about it they don't have any they don't have any money. They're up against the cap. They decide to sign JT Miller instead of trading them for assets. Their owner doesn't want to do a rebuild, which they've needed for years. Uh, the worst move to me was something, aside from this Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel contracts, which were all terrible. Then just as those are about to expire and you're about to get some flexibility, you go and you trade those and a first-round pick for... Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson. I did not realize until Jeff mentioned that yes. the pick was Dylan Gunther. Yes. And he of the hat trick yesterday in the World Juniors. And he said, you you know, you Connor Garland, basically Tyler Toffoli. Well, you had Tyler Toffoli and you could have re-signed him. And now he's having a great season with Calgary, even though he did sign that original free agent deal um, with Montreal. So I think the Canucks, they've Shot themselves even in the worse. Foot. They're playing against him in the division every time they go up against the Flames. Yeah. And Markstrom, too, who signed uh, signed in Calgary with a great year last year. A bit of a down year this year. So I think Vancouver is fascinating. So I'm looking forward to that. I know a lot of people in chat has loved hearing from Jeff. They were curious if Jeff could beat Ken uh, at the buffet table. Mm, that would be a major 
that would be like Joey Chestnut and Kobayashi going head to head. So uh, epic yeah. buffet work. I've been texting Jeff to come on the radio for probably uh, this isn't the radio, but to come on uh, sports talk shows uh, for like ten years. So I'm very appreciative of him. Always gets back promptly. Uh, great appearance, just a, a different format. So no, um, he was he was awesome, and there doing great work out there in uh, in Vancouver. Uh, really appreciate him jumping on, and we'll certainly catch up again with Jeff before these two teams meet again. Not too far away. What's the next game? Uh, home game on Said the, the eighth. eighth Sunday, the eighth, an afternoon game for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, all right, Remo. Okay, last call for marbles, everybody. Last call for marbles. If you just popped in a little bit late, exclamation mark marbles, get it in. Um, and Remo, before we get to the cool bet lines, uh, while you set things up, tonight it's Sam Gagne night. Now, I'm just trying to think, did the Jets win the games for both Wheeler's 1,000th and uh, Paul Stasty's 1,000th? I'm pretty sure they they did. Um, the, the Wheeler one was against Toronto last year, and I know I mixed them up um you know, yesterday and the the Stasny one, remember it was at the end of the like pandemic season before yeah. the Oilers no playoff fan. series, but no, and it was just like a terrible year. Oh, the team was playing like garbage at that and, time, and that was the one game that they won. Yes, that was the one game they won. I think was it against Vancouver? Or... So hopefully the good vibes from this one thousandth game for Sam Gagne can maybe be a little bit of a magic elixir uh to snap this three game losing streak and Gagne, I'm probably unlike most players playing in their thousandth game, going to be riding shotgun with Pierre Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor tonight, and um, he'll certainly have an opportunity to get Mr. Brightside playing, playing with those guys uh, on the thing. Uh, do we have that Gagne clip? Oh, sorry, I was too busy looking at to see if they won and responding to everyone in chat. It's, I don't know if you're following the chat, but like whenever we have, so someone, I think we talked like Leafs once with like Dave McCarthy. Someone came in and chat and was like, what is this? Leafs lunch? And so now whenever whenever we have like um I have like a, a person on from another team, someone in chat goes, What is this? Canucks lunch? And so Jeff comes in and literally um like 10 people in chat, right? What is this? Canucks Canucks lunch? Like as that. And I'm just like, I've started laughing. And now I mentioned calling Jeff on radio, and then everyone's reminding me in chat, radio is dead, Remo, and like everyone's <laughs> writing that. And chat. So sorry, I'm having too much fun uh, interacting. Listen, you bozos. Sometimes when the Jets are playing an opponent, we might talk about the other team too. That to quote Ken Weeb, I don't often give these out, but that's a wake up. That is a definite a, wake up. It's turned into a uh, turned into a joke. Okay, uh, it's a meme. Okay, it's good. turned into a uh, yeah. It's a it's a, a term now. Yes, it's a meme now. Okay, uh, we, well, we do have, Okay, I'm fine with that. We have inside joke memes on this show. <laughs> it's they're being born. We got we got Oleg. Is there any way I could yeah. distract you from these memes and people chatting at you to get a clip from <laughs> the man of the night tonight, Sam Gagne, I got who it. will be playing his 1,000th game and hopefully some good vibes for the big night. He will be celebrated before, uh, and then it's time to get two points against a Vancouver Canuck team that's coming in hot. Here is Sam Gagne of the Winnipeg Jets. You know, I've had my ups and downs for sure. Um, you know, I think... Getting sent down by Vancouver, uh, and then the following year uh, by Edmonton again. Um, you know, you, you question uh, how your career is going to end up, but you just keep pushing along and keep trying to 
adjust to you know the, the modern game um, so yeah it certainly um, you know feels good to, to be able to, to get there um, but you know I, I, I think I still you know feel feel good I want to help this team win and you know that's kind of my focus so um, I, I wasn't sure kind of where the number was going to end up you just want to keep playing and um, certainly t- uh, happy to, to get there. All right, so there's Sam Gagne, who uh, will be celebrated before the game tonight. And uh, hopefully the team comes up with a big performance to uh, get him a win in Game 1000. Uh, and maybe more importantly, win a few more games, stay where they're at right now, and get into the playoffs and let him add to um, you know an incredibly low 11 playoff games in his career. And that's part of you know being drafted high to a bad team being with Edmonton and um, he has bounced around on some pretty poor teams over the course of the, of his career. We can only hope that, um, you know, he'll get some more playoff games, maybe more than his entire career put together. Once we get to the spring. All right. Marbles are closed. Remo, you want to get that uh, taken care of? I will take a quick look at the cool bet lines for tonight. Um, Just before we get to the hockey, we do have a very bizarre, bizarre Thursday night game. This is shaping up. It's got the feel of a week 18 game, but in fact, it's week 17. The Cowboys still have lots to play for. They are chasing the Eagles. Uh, I guess a win by the Eagles or a loss to the Cowboys clinches the number one seed uh, for Philadelphia. Um, But Dallas right now was a nine and a half point favorite. Then they were a 10 point favorite. This is the crazy thing. The Tennessee Titans, this game means nothing for them. But next week does. They will be playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in the final week of the season in a win and in. Win and win the AFC South. Another terrible division right there with the NFC South this year. So the Titans have decided that they're not going to play Derrick Henry. And even their second string quarterback, Malik Willis, who, to be honest, doesn't look anywhere near NFL caliber, is going to be sat out. And tonight... The guy that the guy that is going to be leading the uh, leading the Titans, I had not heard of his name until earlier today, but Joshua Dobbs, Joshua Dobbs, who was signed off the Lions practice squad eight days ago, will be starting tonight in the National Football League. So you can imagine what that's done to the number. Cowboys thirteen and a half point road favorites, total of forty right now. Cowboys minus 714 on the money line, and the Titans are plus 600. As far as the NHL goes today, had a pretty busy night in the league. Uh, a very busy night, in fact. I'm sure Remo will be cranking out a DraftKings contest. Yes. Uh, you got uh, Detroit at Buffalo. Detroit, with that big win last night, came back from being down 4 nothing after the first. And uh, who was it that scored the OT winner that did the gritty last night? I believe that's the first ever gritty in an NHL okay. game. What the hell is the gritty? Like I see, like Mike Gusecki doing it. I don't even know what it is. I, you go like this, like uh, it's just like a dance. I know. It's you a watched dance. the Vikings game this year because yeah, Justin see, Jefferson does it every time he gets in the end know, zone. But, like, he does that all the time. I don't know the origins of it, but I did see a guy doing it on the ice. I was so mad. I had um, Casey DeSmith in DraftKings. I'm like, sweet, he's gonna get a shutout. This is awesome. And then it's like, oh, 4-1. All right, that's fine. A goal. Oh, they're, they're up 4-2. I'm like, eh, it's fine. Two goals against, not bad. Next thing I know, I hop in the shower. I come out, oh, it's 4-4. What the hell happened? I saw 
Detroit was pressing, uh, pressing all the shots. It was Jake Wallman with his yeah. second, assisted by former Jet Andrew Kopp. Crazy. So for the winner, and yes, he did. The, he did the little gritty dance. It's finally come to the National Football League. Wasn't that a moment last night? Um, other games tonight, man. If the Panthers don't beat the Canadians at home tonight, as minus three fifty favorites coming out of the break, oh, oh, that that could be bad news for uh, for our old friend Pomo. Um, a lot of pressure in Florida right now to get this right coming out of the break. They struggled heading into it, um, and they've been one of the most disappointing teams in the league so far this season. That being said, they're a massive favorite tonight, minus 350. Good game. Rangers lightning in Tampa. Lightning a minus 127 home fave. Caps minus 172 favorites at home to Ottawa. Islanders big favorites against the Blue Jackets, minus 249. Big central division matchup between the Dallas Stars and the Minnesota Wild. The Stars practiced outdoors yesterday, getting back to the roots. Tonight, they'll be at the XL Energy Center. Minnesota, slight favorite, minus 117 for the home team, minus 101 for Dallas. Um, another Central Division game, Blues, big, minus 282 favorites against the struggling Blackhawks. And then, as we mentioned, the Winnipeg Jets and the Vancouver Canucks. Jets, minus 147 faves at home. Vancouver, plus 125. Toronto, a huge, minus 307 favorite in Arizona. Avalanche hanging in there as they deal with injuries as well. Minus 146 faves against the Kings. And the final game tonight, minus 162 favorites. The Sharks at home against the Philadelphia Flyers. Just before we finish up, let's take a quick look at these Jets numbers for tonight. To score a goal, uh, Adam Lowry, plus 330. He'll be playing with Mark Shifley. Mark Shifley's plus 155. Kyle Connors, plus 135. Pierre-Luc Dubois, plus 158. Then you get to the Canucks. Bo Horvat, plus 160. JT Miller, plus 215. Elias Pedersen, plus 163. But what is interesting, the number I wanted to see, Sam Gagne, plus 365. Will there be a Mr. Brightside playing um, hearing, uh, playing tonight? We will find out. But if you want to jump on it, a cool bet, Sam Gagne, plus 365. Uh, point props, goal assist props, all there for you, along with all the games. And uh, tomorrow, by the way, for you lock shoppers, uh, noon our time, I will be doing a uh, edition of the lock shop, and I think we're going to host it over on the Cool Bet Canada page uh, as Dusty finishing up his uh, time in Switzerland calling the Spengler. Uh, but we've tweeted out the picks for today at Lock Shop Bets, and tomorrow we'll have the big Week 17 extravaganza with the best bets, the partner parlay, and uh, all that fun stuff heading into the weekend. But listen, we'll get to that tomorrow. Right now, we have some business to take care of, Remo, and that is our final qualifying marble race of the Tournament of Champions. Yeah, I'm enjoying a lot of the comments. I just want to say, if you are in here, make sure you're hitting the like button and subscribe. We're trying to get, I think, MC Stormy and Phyllis are keeping track, like 14 straight shows or something with uh, 200 likes. Uh, liking the channel, you know, tells YouTube, hey, we got great content and it's more likely to recommend it for more people, helps us grow and get some more subs. We're trying to get to, uh, eh, we're close to like 86 or 8,700, I think. Well, I want to get to 10K at some point. So uh, if everyone hits the subscribe button, and if you are subscribed, already hit the notification button and I'll tell you, uh, you know, when we put out stuff. Can we get to 9K yeah. subs by our second anniversary? Uh, that is the question. March how 8th. many do we have? 
And there's We're like eight point five six. And there's well, there's the challenge, folks. Tell a friend, grab their close. phone, show them how YouTube works, yeah. and tell them to go and press that red button. But it literally is the easiest thing that you can do. Just hit the like. I'm got thumbs up. Helps us out big time, and we really do. Uh, we really do appreciate it. I'm gonna have to uh, start pumping out some more videos if you want to get there. Yeah, so we'll have That's to a good do, idea. We'll have to do that. Um, we did get some comments us about uh, Gord Miller coming on yesterday, January 9, uh, Bison's versus uh, Ukraine. So if you missed it, check that out yesterday. We tweeted out a link. I did have a couple things, Hess, as I load these up. Uh, we never touched on, well, first of all, you mentioned the Rangers. Never mentioned uh, Alexei Lafreniere, healthy scratch, former first overall pick. Really? Yeah, healthy scratched uh, oh. tonight. So. Um, it's been, I don't know. He hasn't really been given, you know, power play one time. He's kind of played a bit with Panarin, but they're not happy with him. And it's like two back-to-back picks. Uh, Kako was two and Lafreniere number one. And the Rangers were a pretty damn good team last year carried by a uh, Shesterkin. But those, you know, you have pick one and two and back-to-back years. They're not panning out. So I don't know if it's a Rangers thing or they made the wrong picks, but. Uh, well, tough, Lafreniere tough was, I mean, was a clear-cut number one. I mean, remember how there was hype nuts bef- leading up like huge, years huge before hype for him. Yeah, um, but listen, they're eighteen-year-old kids. Much like, listen, Connor Bedard looks like about as much of a sure thing as we've seen in the last 10, 20 years, really from Sidney Crosby and Ovi. Um, but it is an inexact science, and uh, the teams that draft well do well. Um, and the Rangers, listen, I mean, they had a real benefit from getting that second overall pick and first round pick, but you know, it happens all the time. Hell, the Chiefs went one in 15 in one year and they picked Eric Fisher, a tackle for uh, an offensive lineman because there wasn't any quarterbacks in the, in the draft. So um, there is an element of luck to it as well. Uh, you want to get into this Leafs getting fined a hundred grand for the yeah, early I, flight? I loved, I love this story, has because it has to do with schedule and time zones, CBA, and back to back, and yeah, and circumventing the CBA. So it came out yesterday has, that the Toronto Maple Leafs fined one hundred thousand dollars for taking off for leaving early or leaving during the mandated break time. Uh, you know what, they're supposed to be off until the 26th. And, you know, you leave on the 27th for a game on the 27th. Uh, and they got fined 100000 So what happened? Elliot Friedman said they were supposed to fly on the 27th just after midnight to get around that. However, the player's like, no, 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 we don't want to do a midnight to like 2 a.m. flight. So they left like an hour and a half before the deadline, uh, 10.30 Eastern. And so they were not, you know, because it was a 90-minute to two-hour flight, they thought it would be better to go a bit earlier and the players all agreed and they're getting fined to the hundred thousand dollars. And I'm sure to the Leafs hundred thousand dollars is nothing. And they're more than happy to pay the fine. And they won that game in overtime. And it was kind of weird Hus, because they had, you have to fly in the 27th, but all the games are on the 27th. And I mean, the same day travel Hus, that's, it's going to throw off everyone's routine. In fact, Rachel Dory tweeted out that every road team that had a longer than 75-minute flight on the 27th, lost. The one team that did win was Minnesota. Well, how long is a flight from Minnesota to Winnipeg? Like an hour? If that. So I'm sure that 70, yeah. So uh, it seems like the Leafs big-brained the rest of the league and were happy to pay $100,000 in exchange for two standings points. 
Well, listen, uh, uh, are, do we have two different sets of rules? Like yes. one for the Leafs and one for everybody else? Yeah. Well, they that's bullshit. No, they got, hey, it's a salary. You got to figure out how to use that extra revenue. Good for them. They got fined $100,000. Get, get mad at the NHL for having shitty penalties. Like when well, they no, find a well, player listen, for 5000 for a this bad this is hit. the CBA. This is collectively bargained. That's what CB stands for. Collective the, bargaining and the, agreement. And the players I mean, collectively said, I don't want to fly at midnight to 2 a.m. I'd rather fly at 1030. And they all agreed. What's the problem? Good. First and they round said, pick. We'll play the fine. Dock him, dock him a first round pick. It won't happen again. Pro- pro- probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. But that's not what it is. It said hundred. They said it was a hundred thousand. That's the equivalent. That's the equivalent of the twenty five hundred dollar fine to a player. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. So then have so you're getting mad at the wrong person, hustler. I agree with you. So look, they said this is what the penalty is. We're okay. I'm getting you. mad at you for supporting the Leafs circumventing. Is it because it's CBA. the Leafs? Is it because it's the Leafs or well? Because I mean, I probably would be less mad if it was the Sharks or somebody else to be. <laughs> To be honest, <laughs> good, good for I. I think good for them. They said, "Look, we don't want to fly." I think it's a stupid rule to you can only fly on the day of the game. Well, then the PA shouldn't have shouldn't have uh, begged for it. Like you can't have it both ways. Eh. Like I, if it's not a big deal, don't make it a big deal and put it in the CBA. It's, Let teams do whatever the hell they want. It was it was a ninety minute difference here too. It wasn't like it was a huge difference. Oh. Uh, Okay, well, Bart Oman's saying, who gives a crap on some marbles? I give a crap. So. <laughs> he does. That being said, I'm pumped for this marble race, our final one yeah. before tomorrow's tomorrow's big finale. Um, do we have a theme? Do we have a theme song oh, from... Uh... Yeah, so they didn't know there were going to be... there. Was, so there's going to be a finale theme tomorrow. Oh, excellent, excellent. So there's going to be a amazing. special one. But there isn't... So we'll have to like pick... You want to pick like your favorite one. Of all of them, you know we what? Dealer's be- choice. Dude, you're you're in control. Oh, we, dealer's we choice. We don't drag it out. Whichever, uh, whichever one. Okay, like. I'll pick. I'll pick one. Uh, okay, I'll give you my favorite. This one might have been my favorite one. Oh, one bird hustler, sing some union songs. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, all right, let's hear a little bit of Tristan Rivers music uh, before our final qualifying marble race for the tournament of champions. Okay. Everyone's like, why are we talking about Toronto on Winnipeg? Didn't know this was Maple Leafs yeah, lunch so here. Jet, Jets play in a one-team league. It's just, <laughs> that, that, that's it. We have no idea. Who are they playing tonight? We're not telling you. That would be that would go against our mandate just to focus on Winnipeg. Okay, I'll do my favorite. This one was my favorite, one of my favorite ones. I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> so, uh, so here it is. Separating best to us. 
All right. The Backstreet Boys slash Bon Jovi version yeah. <laughs> of the of the Marble Race theme. Uh, all right. Good luck to everyone. If you have not yet qualified, this is your final chance. And I guess what we'll do after the show, um, we'll tweet out the uh, the three qualifiers from the uh, the webpage contest. So yes. uh, I guess if you haven't done that already, you got about five minutes to get that in. WinnipegSportsTalk.com slash marbles. Uh, all right, Remo, how many people and where are we going today? Yeah, just to be clear, that was the Backstreet Boys version, but everyone in chat that day thought it was Bond. Bon, sounded like Bon Jovi, and I, I get, and I can see it. And Tristan's like, oh, yeah, it does sound like Bon Jovi. <laughs> so we have 216 marbles in. Some nice. people are requesting the dojo. For a classic sure. one to finish it off. Yeah, I, I like it. Into the dojo, only three, only three marbles will escape the dojo. I'm just like picturing. So, I, like that song, like I would walk around my house and sing like with a high nasally voice, like more high nasally than it normally is. <laughs> like Bon, like new, like new Bon Jovi, not you know in his prime Bon Jovi, like Bon Jovi now. This was good. All right, two sixteen. Top three in. Oh, by the way, some breaking news for all of you WST listeners. Uh, I have an extra shout out to my friends at Win City Pub. Uh, they just sent me over a pair of tickets for the game tonight. So, um, we'll uh, if you win today, uh, just in the chat right afterwards, let us know whether you can make the game, and if so, I will. Uh, I will send them to you. Um, but anyways, we've got an extra prize today, some tickets for tonight's game between the Canucks and, of course, what everyone really wants, the opportunity to be in the mix for tomorrow's championship race. Bomber season tickets on the line from Consolidated Supply. We're in the dojo. Three marbles will survive. Let's drop them, Reem. Here we go. I love this. It reminds me of Beverly Hills Ninja, the movie with Chris Farley. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think when I hear Dojo. <laughs> here we go. What do we got here? This is always an interesting start of the Dojo. Let me know who's coming in. Who's coming out first? Okay, we've got Maxine Peters is in the mix there. It's very hard to read. Yeah, no North End Ninja screen. is one with Merle Peters. I see Bozeman in there as well. Oh, Bozeman. Shorn needs to. Uh, Shorn needs a big qualification. Oh, Bailey. Uh, the dojo. There's a few people oh. getting thrown over the top rope here right now. I don't remember this many eliminations at the dojo. This is no, crazy. Uh, to be honest, I don't either. <laughs> I thought this was like an easy one. All right. Oh, there's more. Oh, someone's getting thrown way up. Are they going to make it or get thrown out? Oh, this is, this is nuts. This is, uh, yeah, listen, I don't remember there being this many casualties of the dojo, to be perfectly honest. This is, this is a bloodbath. <laughs> this is a bloodbath. Okay, who's that in first place there? Smalley. Okay, Al Broderick and Alana Sutton. One of these are going to get thrown up and actually land in it, but uh, Smokey, Al Broderick, Alana we got Marshall Caron. Marshall would be, oh, if we could get in there. Uh -oh. Smokey right now looking good. There goes Al. Alana Sutton. Man, there are so many casualties here. 
the dojo taking no prisoners. Looks like Smokey's going to get this done. Smokey's in. Dom Zappia. Atta boy, Dom and Carely. K9. K9. Nicely done. Nicely done. All right, Smokey. Um, just let us know in chat right now. Are you there? If you can use the uh, if you can use the tickets tonight. If you can make the game. Oh, shout out to the top Tennessee Leslie in there. I think it's a pretty good finish for Leslie. Greg M was uh, putting out the good vibes in the chat. Tico Napoli's already qualified in, in at number four. Yeah, Tico Napoli's already in. I believe it's uh, it's Smalley, not Smokey, but I like oh, I like Smoke, I like Smokey. Oh, Smalley. As they say, for some reason, when we get to this, when there's a lot of marbles, it gets a little pixelated when we're running it, and I have a hard time running. But yes, Smoley, Dom Zappia, and I believe K9. So Smoley, where are you at? Let us know. I guess I'm a little. Uh, I'm a little backed up here because uh, we're a little ahead when we're doing it. Lyndon Radachenka taking his time. Will Lyndon get burned by the fire or will he make <laughs> it in? Amazing to be have stuck around that uh, that long. All right, great stuff. So, folks, tomorrow, uh, Smoley, Dom, Zapia, and uh, what what was what's the third one again, Reem? Yeah, one stack. K nine. Uh, I believe it was K nine, K E Y E nine. Perfect. Okay, Dom, send us an email um, with your uh, contact info, Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. K9, do the same. And uh, Smoley, do the same. And let me know whether you can uh, make the game tonight. I see you there in chat. So, uh, yeah, fire that over. Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. Um, all right. Well, folks, enjoy the game tonight. I'm actually going to be jumping on the OB pregame show around five. If you want to check that out with Kelly Moore and uh, I believe John Shannon. Uh, and tomorrow for the show, Reem, of course, we'll have our big. This is a great way to finish up 2022 with three of our favorites. Murata Tesh, Ken Weeb, and Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And then at this same very time. The Consolidated Supply Tournament of Champions finishes up. And we will be able to give out bomber season tickets to the last, well, to the first marble across the way. But there's been a lot of, it's been quite a run through the month of December, Remo. This has been one of the most fun things we've ever done. Yeah, this has been, I know people are coming in and everyone's excited. And Frosty's been wanting us to have it, give it to the last person. I, I don't want to do it. We're giving it to the win. We're, we're going with the winner. So we got a yeah. number of regulars this in the is, list. This is Some... excellence in marbles, not not slowness. This is this is the biggest prize we've ever had yeah. to give away. And uh, anyways, make sure you're with us tomorrow. The big, big matchup. And uh, can't wait for it. Um, but yeah, we got to get out. Thanks again. Send us your email, uh, your uh, contact info, winners, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Uh, and that is going to do it for us. Enjoy the game tonight. Fingers crossed this streak can be broken. And we'll be talking about a win and the vibes will be good heading into the big marble race tomorrow and the weekend and New Year's Eve with the Jets taking on the Edmonton Oilers in Edmonton. By the way, just beware, we may mention the Oilers a couple times tomorrow night. 
uh, <laughs> tomorrow on the show. Just just saying. Too, we um, didn't call Tom Gazzola or Dusty to talk. Otherwise, I know the no, chat. We, I would like have that. normally done that, but uh, we've got Marat, we've got Ken, we've got Hacksaw. A lot of good stuff coming up tomorrow, all finishing off with the final race of the Tournament of Champions and apparently a special championship version of the Marbles theme song by Tristan Rivers Music. So, folks, we'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day and all of you for hanging out with us. We'll see you tomorrow to get things going one more time in 2022 on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Tell a friend, get him to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'll catch you tomorrow for a big Friday show on WSD. Have a great one. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 